Hello and welcome to the Smallwood Sessions. I'm your host, Josh Taylor. Thanks for joining us here. Um, we are in episode number 22, which I believe uh, on our Mega Quarantizzle episode puts us at about 12 or 13. We've been doing this for a while. We've been stuck inside. We haven't been able to have actual guests. We've been doing everything online and on the phone. But you know what? That helps us out, especially this week. Welcome to the podcast of Oz. Us here at the Smallwood Sessions have partnered with our friends at the All Things Oz Museum down in Chittenango. Uh, every year they do the Oz Stravaganza Festival, which is an amazing, heartfelt, wonderful festival that I have been lucky enough to have been a part of for the past four years. I've been the scarecrow down there. I've been that costumed guy falling all over the park, taking pictures with all the kids, having a great time. Uh, my wife plays Glinda down there every year. We have a great time, and um, it's a little sad this year that we're not going down there uh, to dress up and walk through the park and uh, bring smiles to people's faces, which is what Oz Stravaganza really does to people down there. We at the Smallwood Sessions are lucky enough and fortunate enough to have a friend, Mark Baum, who got us a bunch of amazing guests uh, for our podcast today. And we hope that you guys enjoy all the folks we've got here. We've got authors, we've got historians, we've got Broadway stars, we've got actresses, we've got tons of people. Just, uh, you guys are really going to love it. If you guys love going down to Oz Stravaganza every year, and you like talking to the people that are down there, hey, guess what? I'm doing that for you this year, because unfortunately, you can't. Um, unfortunately, Oz Stravaganza is not happening this year, and that makes us sad, but you can help out. You can go to allthingsoz.org, and there's a donate button right there at the bottom. You can donate a couple of bucks. Tell your friends to donate a couple of bucks. It's going to help. You can also become a member, uh, which will help them out. It'll help you guys out. It gives you, uh, I believe, unlimited access to the museum, uh, and it's very reasonably priced. Go check it out. Um, once they get back opened up, we hope you all go down there, and we hope you all check it out. Uh, well, from the Smallwood Sessions, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Um, Here's some stuff we've been working on, so enjoy, folks. Welcome to the Smallwood Sessions. Uh, I am your host, Josh Taylor. Uh, welcome to the podcast of Oz. Uh, that's right. Uh, we are celebrating OzFest, which unfortunately is not happening this year due to the COVID-19 virus. There's a lot of stuff that's not happening this year, unfortunately, and that is one of them. Um, I am fortunate enough to have Mark Baum with me today. He is um, a member of All Things Oz. I'm going to let him tell you what he is because there's a lot of <laughs> I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> I've, I've been married 27 years, so depending on who you ask, I have a lot of titles at a lot of times. <laughs> uh, but uh, technically, I'm the foundation secretary of the International L. Frank Baum and All Things Oz Historical Foundation, uh, or what we like to call All Things Oz. Uh, foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit. We're 100% volunteer, and uh, we run the All Things Oz Museum in Chittenango, as well as the Oz Travaganza Festival every year. Um, and this year would have been the 43rd annual festival, and it is canceled. It's the first time since 1978 when it started that we've had to cancel an event. Um, but, you, you know, you got to be honest, it's, it's not safe to have 30,000 people in a small area. Yeah. Uh, in the village of Chittenango, and uh, it was the right thing to do. We canceled actually back in the end of March. Mm -hmm. and, uh, at the time, none of the other festivals had canceled, so it was like, what are you doing? And uh, uh, yeah. it, it was the right move, though. Yeah, definitely the right move. Um, a lot of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of stuff is getting canceled <clears throat> this year. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of us had a lot of concerts and stuff we were going to. Uh, what was your 
Um, other than other than Ostravaganza, what was the big thing that got canceled that you're gonna miss uh, this summer? Uh, you know, uh, it's tough because Taste of Syracuse is gone. Right? Everything's gone. James yeah. Moonfest is gone. Taste mm -hmm. of Syracuse is gone. Boxing Hall of Fame is gone. Uh, Antique Week is essentially gone. Um, we haven't heard yet on the Syracuse Nationals, but I can't imagine they're going to go forward. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of the fairs and stuff will probably lose the state fair. And the state fair is a big thing for the Baum family. I mean, we love the state fair. So, yeah. you know, we're out there a lot and we love the concerts. Uh, uh, every concert's canceled. And uh, and then you also have the Baldwinsville Theater Guild and CNY Playhouse canceled. And you know you see us, we go to a lot of shows. So yeah, um, yeah, it's tough. I, I, on the flip side, um, you know, I, I always thought if I had a lot more time, uh, I would really fix a lot of things around the house and clean up a lot of stuff around the house. But I just don't have the time to do it. Yeah, it turns out that's not the reason I don't do it. I think a lot of people figured that one out. So there was some <laughs> learning there too. Yeah. <laughs> I have so much stuff that's still not done and I've been sitting here. I have the time to do it. I'm just not now. Um, yeah. uh, so um, for the Ostravaganza, that makes up a lot of uh, the income for you guys, right? That and the museum is, you know, 75%, yeah. of it, right? That's right. Um, the, the, the festival and the, the summer bus tours are about 75% of our operating budget. So this is a huge hit for us. And uh, we plan on this starting in August of last year. So we've been planning right along. So like all the plane tickets for all the guests were already purchased. I mean, there's a lot of money invested up front that's yeah. just gone. Um, and like I said, fortunately, we're all volunteers. So mm -hmm. no one had to lose their job or we didn't have to worry about coming up with payroll. Uh, we own the building that I'm in. I'm actually here in the Clara Hauk reading room uh, at the museum right now talking to you. Uh, but uh, we own the building. So that's nice. Um, you know, we've still got monthly expenses that are uh, between two and $3,000 just with security and alarm systems and all the maintenance that has to happen still yeah. uh, here. And, you know, you have to have climate control uh, for the, the collection and, and all kinds of stuff. So um, it, it's, it's a big hit, though. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming the museum is not in operation uh, right now. Correct. Visit. Yeah. Um, we're, we're what the governor calls an attractive nuisance. Uh, so yeah. we phase four. And honestly, for this museum, I'll be surprised if we get back open before September. Mm -hmm. It looks like the time frame is going to fall somewhere in August uh, for us, very late July or, or early to mid August. Yeah. But um, for us to get ready, there's a lot of things that will have to change. And uh, for anyone who hasn't been here, it, it's about uh, 26, 2700 square feet. Um, so it, it's a it's a tight space. Uh, I, I mean, it's nice to walk through, but uh, really, you could safely right now do one or two families at a time, and that's it. So. Yeah there yet we're still working on a plan um the board of trustees is is working on a way uh to get back up and running when the time comes and uh can't wait to see people you know coming down our yellow brick road skipping down the yellow brick road in Chittenango yeah. to uh, see the all things oz museum um it should be mentioned too i guess for full disclosure josh uh plays our scarecrow every year at the festival yeah, it's, it's fun. Winning, by the way. Uh, I, I have the picture, uh, 2018 yeah. award-winning Scarecrow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you've got that remarkable replica costume that mm -hmm. Sean Ryan made for you. Oh, yeah, it's lovely. You get to wear it this year. So that's, uh, uh, well, look uh, look online. Uh, look on, uh, we'll be doing uh, stuff on Smallwood Sessions, uh, our, our Facebook page, our website uh, that we just started, smallwoodsessions.com. You can check that out. Uh, we're going to be putting some videos up there. My wife, uh, Corey, plays Glinda as well at the uh, yes. 
extravaganza and uh her and i we got the uh we got the costumes uh to us so this week we will be doing some really fun videos uh, and, and stuff like that just to keep people in the spirit so many people uh what's what's the average um attendance down there on a uh, middle of the day on the saturday there what would you well total for the weekend is between 30 and thirty-five thousand, depending on the weather right so it's wholly dependent on the weather yeah um, saturday we're normally between 12 and eighteen thousand, um mm -hmm. depending on the weather uh i mean a couple years ago it was 70 and sunny and just perfect and oh, yeah. streets were packed and uh the police chief was gently encouraging me to make people go because <laughs> yeah. yeah. there were more people than they had anticipated but the crowd was great mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're a family festival uh no alcohol uh which yeah. differentiates us from taste of syracuse a little but uh uh no alcohol there so it's a uh, family friendly and, and things are generally pretty calm people it, it's hard to be grumpy when you're dressed like the tin man uh yeah and come into a festival so um there's a thousand little dorothy's running around and it's just a great time yeah, I gotta say, uh, it I, I never feel more like a rock star than when I put on that costume and and walk into that park. Uh, yeah. You can't you can't walk more than five steps without you know ten people come in to take their picture with you and you it, it's great yeah. and um those those little Dorothy's man it's it I see them every three four years I think I've been doing it and um mm -hmm. I love it every every year man it's it's the most fun you're so tired at the end of it all the squatting to to take pictures right. with the little kids and uh but it's so worth it um. And uh, like I said, my wife, Corey, is Glinda, um, and mm -hmm. that's awesome. Matt Gordon, who's a regular on the podcast here, yeah. uh, he's the Tin Man. Uh, we've had rotating. Everybody else has kind of been rotating for the past few years, but uh, great yeah. people down there. And uh, Australiaganza yeah. is a wonderful thing. And uh, for all those of you who don't know, um, Chittenango is the home of uh, Al Frankbaum, who wrote uh, all the Wizard of Oz, original Wizard of Oz books. Um, right, yeah, he was, he was born here in 1856 and uh, wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in 1900. He really crafted the American fairy tale, you know, and uh, when you think about it, it's kind of cool that a guy from central New York, I mean, he, grew, he was born here, uh, was here till he was five or six, grew up in the Syracuse area, Mattydale, and um, got married in Fayetteville at the Gage House, what's, what's now the Gage House, and uh, really had an impact on society uh, like none other. Uh, I mean, you can't go anywhere uh, in the world where someone doesn't say, oh, there's no place like home, or if I only had a brain, or just click your heels three times. I mean, it's a part of Americana, but it's it's really a part of society and the way we talk, um, the way we communicate, and everybody knows, you know, oh, uh, you know, goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I mean, Elton yeah. did an album with that theme. Um, it's just such a part of society. And as you look at things in the Oz universe, you know, that's the that's what I bring to the table here is I'm the non-MGM guy for Oz. Everyone knows Judy Garland in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, I'm the guy who's into some of the some of the offbeat Wizard of Oz stuff. Yeah. And uh, so that's fun too. There's a lot of Oz universe out there. Yeah, yeah, uh, like fan fiction and stuff like that. Um, sure. But but there's a lot of fan fiction that's become uh, relatively official canon, right? I mean, mo a lot of it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, oh, no. you, you know, the, the first Broadway show I ever saw was The Wiz on Broadway and, uh, in 1976. It opened in 1975, African-American retelling of The Wizard of Oz, spectacular musical. Oh, yeah, great the, music. The version is very different, mm -hmm. but spectacular musical. And um, interestingly, Andre DeShields, who starred in The Wiz as The Wiz, uh, is yeah. now on Broadway in Hadestown and has now won an Emmy and... Oscar, no, an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony Award. He won the Tony this year and the Grammy for his oh, work, yeah. 
Town. So he's one Oscar away from an EGOT. Wow. That's, that's that's festival. He's been here, uh, you know, before. And uh, I guess I can say it now because it's not happening. He was uh, one of our big guests. For the we were having him back for the anniversary. Oh, he, he was coming back this year? Yeah, it was Andre. Uh, it was the whole cast of Ozland. You know, there's a new movie that came out a few years ago called Ozland. Um, you may have heard of a little play. Uh, it was a story, uh, a series of books written by Gregory Maguire called Wicked, Times oh, of the Wicked Witch of the West. I think I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Wicked, the musical, of course, is taking off. The Oz universe is alive and well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this uh, temporary shutdown we have has closed us down here. Uh, but the Oz universe is certainly alive and well, and there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. That, uh, worth looking at. And to your point, you know, there's, there's actually 40 books that are considered canon. There's 40 original books. L. Frank Baum wrote the first 14 of them. Mm -hmm. And from there, other authors took over as the official Royal Historian of Oz. Now, how, how, does one, how does one get that job as the Royal Historian? Like, does somebody have to drop a house on somebody else for you to get yeah. that? Or? Yeah, the, the family trust and the publishers uh, have to uh, designate you a Royal Historian of Oz, so it's hard to do. Um, but uh, to that point, you know, there's a lot of things in the Oz universe that are kind of firsts, too. And um, uh, one of them, I'm a big comic book guy in real life <laughs> when I'm not playing Oz. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big comic book guy. And, uh, you know, The Wizard of Oz started in comic strips uh, in 1910. Very early on, there was a Wizard of Oz comic strip that started. And then a lot of people don't know, but in 1978, uh, The Wizard of Oz was the first crossover comic done with Marvel and DC working together. Wow. And people attribute the first crossover to being Spider-Man and Superman in 1979, but a whole year before that, uh, they did two parts of a Wizard of Oz uh, book. Um, they were going to do a, a three-part uh, series, and they only did two and didn't do the third one, so who knows wow. what was going there. But uh, yeah, since 1978, it's been pretty mainstream comic book-wise, um, and, and that's cool too because we've had the, uh, the imagery out there and stuff. And uh, there's one part of it that's really cool. Um, there's a book out there called Legends of Oz, The Wicked West, which I happen to bring. Oh, Not wow. What do you know? It's a, it's a Western retelling of the Oz story, and it is super cool. And not just because, um, oh, look, Mark Baum wrote the foreword to it, and that's me. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> Tom Hutchison is the uh, writer and the creator. This book's been out 10 years now. It's the 10th anniversary uh, of the series. And uh, what Tom and his gang, his fleet of uh, artists over at Big Dog Inc. has done is they've taken the Oz stories from the books and they brought them into a Western kind of feel. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I've so seen that's him. That's one of the current, current comics that's out. There's a new, uh, new edition that just, uh, just uh, is coming out in the next uh, month or two. So we're excited about that. Okay, well, you know what? Uh, this is yeah. perfect timing, and we wow, we, it's like we planned it. Uh, <laughs> let's see who I've got in my waiting room right now. Oh. Maybe someone who could tell us a little bit more. <laughs> hey, look, speaking of Tom Hutchison, I see him. He's sideways, though. Tom, you're sideways. We can turn our heads. <laughs> can on, on my, yeah, on my screen, you guys are sideways. Really? <laughs> well, maybe I'm sideways. Maybe that's it. Oh, there he is. Hey, Tom. <laughs> I was just talking about Legend of Oz, the Wicked West. What an interesting segue. Yeah, <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> was here's the here's the second volume. By the way, this is the collection. The first six uh, comics are in that, and then the next six are in the second uh, second volume here. Oh, wow. and, uh, it's a wonderful book. I can't say enough about it. Uh, I, I fell in love with it when I first saw it, 
And uh, Tom has been gracious enough to be a guest here uh, at Ostravaganza several, for several years. And uh, Tom, happy anniversary. This is Big Dog Inc.'s 10th anniversary, right? Big Dog Inc.'s 10th, yes. And uh, next year will end up actually being our Oz, uh, our Oz's <laughs> 10th mm. anniversary next year. Nice. Wonderful. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's great to have Tom. And uh, he works with a, an amazing team of artists. And uh, I guess if, if you don't mind, Josh, just the fan question I have. You know, I fanboy over Tom a little bit. Uh, try not to when he's here, but uh, I do anyway, and he tolerates it, which is nice. But uh, where where do you get? I mean, how do you get good artists? Because you've got amazing <laughs> talent working on your books. Uh, th there's no, uh, there's no. Unfortunately, there's no like department of great artists that you can just like go to and be like, who do you got? Let me get a guy. Um, I mean, there are actually some some sort of art houses that uh, that sort of are, are agents and represent artists and so on. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I have had next to no luck with that. Um, so for me, it started with a, a little website called Digital Webbing, where it was basically just amateur dudes making comics. But the cool part of the site was there was a, a classifieds section where you could actually put out a, a, a message, hey, I need an artist, I need a colorist, I need whatever it is you need. And so that's where I started. And that's where I landed the first few guys that I ended up working with. And then from there, it became, um, okay, I'm working with this one artist, uh, JB Neto. And it's like, hey, JB, I need, I need another artist for another book. And he's like, oh, well, I'm part of this little studio let me send you to to you know the, the head of the studio and uh and from you know and then it just became word of mouth it's like hey i've worked with this guy uh maybe go talk to him about doing covers um maybe talk to him about doing interiors whatever you want to do um but it, it started with just random online who can i get and then you know as you do it long enough as a, as a publisher as a creator writer whatever people start to understand okay this guy's serious he's for real he's been doing this for three four five six now ten years uh he's obviously not one of these dudes that's like hiring and then running away and not paying anybody because otherwise you know right. it would work for me ever yeah. so um so yeah it's it's just right now and now evolution from 2010 to 2020 now the evolution of the internet is such that you know like on facebook alone there are hundreds if not thousands of just art groups that uh if if any art director worth two cents uh, understands is go join the groups and you don't even have to do anything. Just sit there and watch all of this art get posted and you see something that you like, you go, aha, I'm going to go contact that guy. And, and that's how you, that's how you start knocking the doors down. Oh, that's awesome. I got to say, um, as I've been to OzFest, I'm uh, the scarecrow there every year. Uh, you've seen me, uh, usually stuff all over my face. Um, <laughs> and I got to say, I love, uh, I always love seeing your booth. Uh, I always love seeing your work there. Uh, the The art of the books is is amazing, and I know um, I know you're not doing the you're not doing the art yourself, are you? As we no. just talked about, there's other people doing that, but oh, the yes. stories are great, and I mean, it, it it catches your eye, and it it's really cool, and um, I I love seeing your booth every year. Um, I look forward to it actually. Um, so you're you're using the already written stories and tweaking them to your own stuff, or are you coming up with completely original uh, content for the most part? I apologize. I've only I've glanced at them. I gotta get uh, my hands on a couple and actually read through them. Um, for but, sure, uh, for sure. You know, we we get back to next year. Come come talk to us and we'll we'll get you some stuff. But um, yeah. we yeah we kind of fit in the middle of what you just described. We use 
bombs basic stories as bullet points you know mm -hmm. we know that uh we have to do the wicked witch of the west story we know we have to do the uh search for princess ozma the battle with the gnome king whatever 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 so we mm -hmm. take all of his 14 books and those are kind of our bullet points but we kind of weave in and out of them so that we get to tell those stories that people are familiar with but they get it in a way that is new and a little bit yeah. fresh and of course with the wild west theme for those that don't know it is a western reimagining wizard of oz so um, so we, like I said, we kind of weave in and out. The last book that we just did, uh, that we finished on Kickstarter, um, finished up what is our fifth volume of, of books that we've done. And it was the, essentially it was the, the resolution of the Ozma story. So while I'm writing this book, I'm thinking, okay, we, we want to maintain Bomb's purpose here in, in how these things are dealt with, with Glinda and Mombi and so on. Um, but is there a way to bring Ozma back that will be uh, uh, different from what Baum wrote, but still work within the rules and, and the environment that Baum created. And so as I've done oftentimes in writing this book, I did a little bit of a deep dive to try and find just, again, bullet points, pieces, information, little things that he dropped here and there throughout his 14 books to find a way to bring Ozma back that isn't the way that people know, but that will connect directly into what he did so that the people that read it that know the books will go, oh, dude, Tom did his research. This makes sense. Yeah. So it's not what we know. And um, so, and I won't tell people how I did it uh, uh, because we want you to read the story, uh, yeah. but I have given it to a number of people already uh, in particular. Uh, some of them are fans of mine, but others, are, while they are fans, they are also very steeped in the Oz lore. And I was like, look, read this. Please, God, tell me that it makes sense to you. Um, because I think it makes sense to me and in the course of the story. And so far, the response has been tremendous. They were like, oh, my God, I, you absolutely nailed how to do this alternatively while still giving us the same essential result. So we get what we know, but we get something new with it. Yeah, that's great, um, and it's great to hear that uh, you're getting you're getting good feedback from the fandom because we have this conversation on the podcast a lot. We always end up talking about Star Wars and the Star Wars fandom and how they're they're the they're mean. Uh, and uh, do you find that with um, either either one of you guys who who deal with the Wizard of Oz fandom quite a bit? Do you find that they're they're really kind of on in the vein of the Star Wars fans where they're it's theirs and you better not mess it up. You know, is it that kind of I thing? mean, it, it, that's, that exists in every fandom. It doesn't matter right. what it is. I'm in Godzilla groups. I'm in Jaws groups. It doesn't matter where you are. That exists. Mm -hmm. But in, in virtually all of these groups, it's also a very tiny little group of people that just want it the way that they want it versus mm -hmm. the way that, you know, the creators made it. Um, in my case, yeah, I, I got a lot of, I, I, I certainly didn't get hate mail. I wasn't given death threats for making Dorothy a gunslinger or any of that kind of stuff. But I did definitely get the traditionalists looking at this going, what the hell is that, man? Um, and, and, and rightfully so, because it, they don't know what it is. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a pretty dramatic shift from, uh, you know, from the movie and, and from the books that they understand. So it's like, I get it. It's my job to, to win them over. And by going to, to Oz, as, as, uh, as Mark kept bringing me back and back and back again, um, I would see the same people that were the ones that were like, what is this? The next year would be like, oh, he's back? What is yeah. this? And the next year would be like, okay, what is this? 
and and finally I would get it in their hands and they would look at it and I would talk to them about like look this is not just Dorothy running around her underwear like a lot of fairy tale things are twisted into this is a a, a bomb based uh, Western version of what you know um, you know a little more you know I mean there's gunfights and, and stuff like that so it's it's not the it's not the books um, but or nor is it in the movie uh, but it's it if you read it and you listen to the dialogue in your head hopefully you're listening to it and not just reading it I mean that's my goal as a writer you should hear these people in your head mm-hmm. um, when you're done you should see that it came from bomb first filtered through me and then we came out the other side with whatever it happens to be and and for the most part we've gotten fantastic response from new people who are just like give me it and from the you know i don't know the traditionalists that are like only the movie only the book you know the, those that have tried it have enjoyed it right and, now, and i gotta i gotta say too i i so i've read the books and i've read all every episode of tom's work too first tom a brilliant writer uh, he, he takes this uh, approach to this known story. I mean, it's world known. We talked about that a little at the beginning uh, before Tom got on. And, and he makes it a Western that's believable. Uh, he makes it so the voices are in your head. And uh, you want to know more about what's happening to these characters. And you want to know what's going on with the scarecrow. And you want to go, what's going on? And, uh, you know, and he brings in characters like the Kaleidas that the movie folks won't be familiar with, but for the book fans, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a brilliant way to handle this. And, and it's really been done brilliantly. And uh, and then he does some fun stuff too. And May 22nd was a good example of some fun stuff, Tom. So uh, <laughs> sure, <laughs> B- BDI, BDI did a, uh, can I tell? I can tell this yeah. now. Oh, yeah. right? uh, did a World Goth Day is May 22nd, right? And so they did reissues of the first uh, uh, issue of several of his books, but including Legends of Oz with a goth cover. Uh, so when I came in, did a, a goth Dorothy Gale, uh, still in the kind of Western feel and also in a goth feel, which is kind, oh, of, yeah. kind of a cool thing. There's, uh, there's some stuff like that. So you get to play with it a little. And I think what's fun about Oz is it's universal in its appeal and it's universal in its story. It really is the story of good over evil. It really is a story of acceptance uh, of people. You know, Dorothy and this ragamuffin band of misfits get together to defeat not one but two witches and find their way home. And, and uh, Tom's stories are that same kind of thing. These characters are very diverse. And uh, you get to see this for, for a world that it is. And, and it's, not, uh, it's not the MGM film. It's more like Baum's books. And, and I appreciate that. I love it. Uh, always have. And... Uh, was super happy to find it and uh, to have Tom be coming back and uh, year after year to share with other Oz fans. Yeah, the interesting thing about Oz, and, and I've discovered this with writing my book, is like like Mark said, it's 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 essentially universal. It can it can almost be anything. Um, as as I've had to go in and sort of westernize some of these characters and figure out, okay, this is what they are in the book how does that translate to what I want it to be? Cause there is legitimate fantasy in the story. It's not just a straight, like we're Westerns. There's, you know, steampunk elements, magical elements, all kinds of stuff, you know, in, in the, in the books, uh, in the movie too. Um, Jack Pumpkinhead is literally a pumpkin head, you know, on a, on a stick body. And so when we got to Jack, I was like, well, how do we translate this and make this useful for what we do? So our, our design artist, uh, Jen Brumall, she came up with the idea of turning Jack into a uh, essentially kind of a, a, a bounty hunter type of guy. And he wears a, uh, a jack-o'-lantern 
a bandana over his face with the, you know, with the jack lantern thing. I was, was like, oh my God. He was way ahead of the COVID-19 fashion. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Way ahead. I'm like, this is brilliant, but it's really crazy because every time, and I've told this to people before, I'm like, every time we have to look at a character and say, how do we turn that into a Western version? It takes about 10 minutes and we have found something, some little grain to just go full bore at and, and, and be like, we've got it. This is it. Now we need the visual. In fact, the yeah. last time I was at Ostravaganza last year, I was sitting there with Allison, Allison um, Lear, who uh, cosplays Dorothy with me. And across the uh, tent, um, John Fricky was talking to a little kid. And he was telling this kid the story of Quox the dragon. And so I, I looked at Allison and I was like, how do we do Quox? Like, how do we put a dragon in this thing? Do we, maybe we do put a dragon in, but how do we make it really work for us yeah and so uh literally we sat there and just were like back and forth for like 10 minutes and it was like well this is done we got this and and quarks is now part of thank you john fricky quarks is now part of the 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 last issue that we just did on kickstarter his first appearance uh is in uh the the oz book that we are calling 1920 um and, uh, and, and it's awesome. So it's, it's, that's a testament to, to Baum and the world that he created, the characters that he designed, they can be whatever you want them to be. And even in that, they can still, even if you take them into the Wild West or into outer space, they can be what you want them to be, but still maintain who they are, which is the, the ultimate testament to the character is you don't have to change the character to change the story. And that's kind of the amazing part. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I man, now I'm, I really want to start reading these. Every time I see them, I'm like, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? And I never really have the time to check them out because I'm I'm running around as a scarecrow, and uh, usually I you know don't have a lot of time uh, to to talk and stuff. But now, man, I this sounds great. Uh, I'm really on board with what you're doing. This sounds so cool. Um, it makes me want to start a D and D campaign set in. <laughs> like, I, I really think I think that would be great because you know you just put little loops on it and use yeah, those yeah. characters, use that stuff. It's it's universal characters as yeah. as you've seen as you're showing us. Um, yeah. So uh, where can where can people get your stuff? Sure. Um, so the basic easy spot to go if you just want the books is uh, BigDogInc.com with a K. Uh, that'll take you right to the web store. There's comics and all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, you can click on comics and then it'll break it out into titles. So you'll see all the different titles. Just click on Legend of Oz. Everything we have is there. Um, even if it's old books that are sold out, we do have like what, what Mark was showing you. Yeah, the collected editions. So you can, you can buy the more expensive collector things or you can just buy the reader copies and, and get a hold of those. Um, on Facebook, you can just look me up, Tom Hutchison. We also have a Big Dog Inc. with a K uh, group fan page that you can join. And then on Twitter and Instagram, we are BDI Comics on both, and you can uh, you can get involved with us there as well. Awesome, awesome. That's thank you so much for uh, stopping by and talking to us on the Smallwood Sessions. Um, this has been really great. Um, any anything else you want to plug other than you got a new uh, new episode just coming out? You said um, yeah, the new issue we just finished it on Kickstarter, so the backers are going to get all of their copies in the next month or so, um, which means the the actual copies will be available to the public like in July. Uh, so if you want to catch up on, on the entire thing, we'll have it all available in July. And then, like I said, it's, it's our 10-year anniversary, so we have all of our other books. We do superheroes with Critter. Uh, we do a horror book called Ursa Minor. So we have a lot of different things that we're doing throughout the course of the year 
so just come join us on our social media platforms and you'll be able to find out everything that we're doing. Awesome. Ursa Minor, Ursa Minor, by the way, is great. It's a werebear and it's awesome. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of my faves. Tom knows this. Yeah, Tom, well, good to see you. <laughs> you too. Yeah, I'm going to be checking them out. Um, and everybody who's stuck home in the quarantine and not being able to go where you want to go, uh, go check out uh, online. Get all these books. Read them. They're great. They sound great. Uh, I'm going to do that uh, after we're done here tonight. I'm probably going to go online and order a couple, to be honest with you. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. So, yeah, so we've got, you know, we've got all kinds of stuff that uh, is uh, abnormally Oz, if you will. Uh, Tom and uh, Legends of Oz, The Wicked West, uh, which is great. Uh, by the way, books are also available here at the gift shop. Uh, right. when, they're, when, they're, when they're out, uh, we get the new ones there until they're sold out. But uh, it's great to see that. We've got a bunch of other stuff. Um, you know, that, that movie I talked about, Ozland, super cool. If you've ever been to the museum, uh, we actually have an exhibit here. We've got the original props and costumes from Ozland uh, as a part of the exhibit. Uh, and it came out five years ago and it won a whole ton of awards. And uh, the basic is these two guys, uh, Zach Rakovich and Glenn Payne are the actors, those guys. And they're, uh, they're lost. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, they're traveling uh, down the yellow brick road, if you will. They're traveling and uh, kind of everything's just dust and they're looking for anybody. And uh, Zach, the younger one, uh, finds this book and it's actually a wonderful Wizard of Oz book. And, uh, and the book that he finds, it's in the movie, is here on display. But uh, he finds this book and as they go, you know, they come across a, a scarecrow and uh, he, he's reading the book and he comes to the scarecrow and then uh, there's a bunch of field mice and in the book there's a bunch of field mice. They hear wolves in the background, there's wolves in the book. Uh, at one point in time he falls through this old floor in this old factory and as the sand shifts there's this tin man and it occurs to him that this may not be a storybook, this could be a history book. And he goes, I don't think this is a storybook, this is a history book. And uh, and the other guy's like, nah, you're crazy. It's just a story. And he's like, no, it's, it's ha the, wi the Wicked Witch is making all this happen. And then uh, it goes on like that. I won't tell you the ending. Um, it's a brilliantly shot camera work videography movie. Absolutely brilliant. Um, it's a drama. It's not, uh, it's not an action. It's not like a zombie movie or anything. Uh, it is a post-apocalyptic, post <laughs> easy for me to say, post-apocalyptic world. And... Uh, uh, but it's a great film. Uh, I think right now you can get it on Amazon Prime. You can, of course, get DVDs at stores. Um, but I think it's on Amazon right now. Uh, I think it's out in Redbox, too, uh, still. But it's a great movie. And I suggest anybody who has a chance see it. Um, so that's, you know, some of the offbeat stuff. And, and we talk about offbeat stuff. But, uh, you know, Oz and the history of Oz is, is kind of a storied in itself. Mm. Um, so the book came out in 1900. It was immediately a hit, and uh, so much so that in 1902, they made a musical uh, of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, it went to Broadway in 1903, played at the Majestic Theater, uh, which is the same theater that The Wiz opened in 1975 at, which is kind of cool. Uh, it played for seven years uh, in, on Broadway and on tour, and, uh, you know, and then Baum was writing more books uh, in the meantime, came back to doing books. Um, you know, everybody knows the 1939 film starring Judy Garland, of course. 
but that's actually like the fifth Oz film made. There were four before that. Oh, really? So there's, yeah, there's a bunch of silent films out there starting in uh, 1910 uh, that were made uh, up until 1933. And uh, some of the collector sets now, you can find those. And it's really kind of neat to see how Oz uh, went. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when, when MGM got the rights to The Wizard of Oz, uh, Walt Disney was livid and said, how did you let this happen? How did they get the rights to this movie? And so uh, Disney went and bought the rights to books number two to 14. Oh, which explains uh, Return to Oz, which that was right. just a Disney movie. If I'm- 1985, it took them until 1985 to make a film in the Oz universe. Yeah. They did the, the movie Return to Oz, which is, if you've not seen it, a great film. And if you yeah. have yeah. plus, it's on there right now. It's one of my favorites. Well, mine too. It was the epitome of a cult classic, right? Yep. A scary movie, but not intentionally scary. Just some of it was scary if you were little. I was big enough where it wasn't scary. Loved it. Um, absolute box office bomb. Yeah. In theaters for nine days and they pulled it. Uh, wow. It's based on books two and three, and it is remarkably close to the books. It's yeah. well done to the books. And uh, the books the books are kind of creepy. I mean, there's, there's some yeah. scary stuff in the books, especially for kids. Um, and I remember seeing uh, Return to Oz when I was a kid. I'm a, a, little, a tad younger than you, and um, I was not old enough to see that the first time I saw it. And <laughs> yeah. the the wheelers to this day, um, I hear that laugh uh, when I'm falling asleep at night, and <laughs> it wakes yeah. me up in a cold sweat. But I love, I love, love, love that movie, and I can't wait to show it's it to great. my kids. Uh, I gotta wait a couple of years, but uh, yeah. I will show it to them. Too. Yeah, they're a little young, but getting, but getting close. Yeah. Corey's probably about the right age. You can show it to her now. Yeah. Oh, no. She loves that. That's uh, Her and I, when the kids aren't here, that's one movie we will watch. So, so here's a fun fact. So uh, a few years ago, in 2015, for the anniversary of the film, because it came out in uh, 1985, uh, Emma Ridley was here. And oh, wow. She, and Princess Ozma in the movie. And she was actually yeah. in 2015 and 2016, and she was a remarkable guest. A really, truly, we get a lot of guests who come through here. Mm-hmm. Emma, who's now a Disney princess, of course, was absolutely remarkable. Um, she came, uh, and we do an autograph session here at the museum during Oz Weekend on Sunday, and it's normally about an hour, hour and a half we schedule for. And uh, there were about 450 people that were lined up before it started. So we came in and said, Emma, there's a huge line. So how how long do you want to stay? If it's just going to be an hour and a half, that's great. And we'll go cut off because we don't want people waiting. And she's just, absolutely not. Okay, I'm not going to do a British accent. But absolutely not. People came to see me. I'm going to stay. She stayed like four hours, met every single person, signed autographs, bought pizza for people waiting. Her assistant, Michael, uh, went out and bought pizza. They're a love story. They got married a couple years ago. We were all invited to the wedding. That was nice. But um, yeah, she's she's brilliant. She was wonderful. Of course, Feruza Valk played uh, Dorothy in that. Uh, Went on to be in the movie The Craft and has a little indie music uh, career now. But uh, yeah, that's a it's a good film. And you know, my favorite part is TikTok is in that, which is my very favorite character in the Oz universe. Oh, I was going to ask that question. I was going to ask who your yeah. very favorite and TikTok. That's a I, I'm a TikTok. big fan of TikTok. Uh, Jack Pumpkinhead is actually Jack Pumpkinhead's great. My Listen, favorite. TikTok is the first robot ever written in literature. So according to the Smithsonian Magazine in 1904, uh, there were five robotic or mechanical things that came out. One was a mechanical hand. Three were steam-powered wolves, and then TikTok, the wind-up mechanical man. Wow. Uh, 
And that's kind of the cool thing about Baum history too, is not just in the books and his imagination. And, you know, listen, this guy wrote a fairy tale in 1900 where a young girl by herself doesn't have a prince who comes and saves her. Mm -hmm. She's the leader of the pack, right? Which is unheard of for the time. Uh, he has the first transgender character ever written in Princess Ozma, who's a little boy named Tip, who's really Princess Ozma. Um, he invented the robot. Uh, literally talks about televisions and cell phones before there was ever possibly such a thing. Um, his imagination, the things that he came up with are, are fascinating. And, uh, and the stories are, are wonderful still now, uh, reading them as an adult. Uh, they're just as wonderful, just as magical, and, and take you to this place that's uh, really amazing, amazing characters. And TikTok is one that I think is underrated. Um, you know, everybody knows the Fab Four, Dorothy and the three friends, uh, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man and, and the Lion. And uh, everyone knows the witches, but uh, TikTok is a great character. Uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, who Tom talked about, also a great character. Uh, yeah. Literally a stick man with a pumpkin head and uh, Mombi brings him to life, Mombi the witch with the powder of life that she's trying and it works. And in the books, as they progress, where Jack's in the books, um, there's some funny things about him. You know, his head and the status of his pumpkin is directly related to how smart he is. So as it starts to get a little old and moldy, he gets dumber. Oh. Uh, there, there's one point where uh, uh, they put a candle in this jack-o'-lantern head, and he says he feels lighter and brighter. Uh, <laughs> so that's the kind of humor that, Oz, that uh, Baum used in Oz. And the kind of characters that, as you look at their progression, it's amazing. And uh, when Tom was here, he talked about uh, uh, the Jack Pumpkinhead and the Legends of Oz. And it was when I when I saw that issue, I was floored in how they did it. And it was just brilliant to have this bandit with this uh, pumpkin mask on, um, really worked into the Western theme and, and really worked. So uh, there's a number of characters, though, Polychrome and uh, the Patchwork Girl, uh, you know, who winds up eating <laughs> uh, the, the Scarecrow. Um, and all these characters, General Ginger, and, and Frank, you know, he, he was born here in Chittenango, like I said, he got married in Fayetteville to Maud Gage, who was the daughter of suffragette uh, Matilda Jocelyn Gage. Um, Matilda, along with Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Stanton, fought to give women the right to vote in the 1800s, and um, it, it was never a question, I think, that Baum was going to have these strong female characters in his book. You know, Princess Ozma, the rightful ruler of Oz, and uh, Dorothy, and General Ginger, who leads an army, and uh, all, all these characters. And it's neat to see that uh, and how that really came through, the, the influence that Maude and Matilda had on him and encouraging to write down these stories. You know, he used to tell stories to kids, and, uh, you know, they were the ones who said, you really have to write this down. And he fancied himself an actor. And uh, really, you know, and then he did door-to-door -door sales. He did all kinds of things. He failed at a lot of things before he became a writer and, uh, and really kind of got his footing there. And but he did, you know. Yeah. So he wrote, uh, what, what, 14? 14 Oz books. He actually wrote uh, 55 novels altogether, over 200 short stories and essays and plays. Um, he was a very prolific writer. Uh, his, his second most famous work is probably um, The Life and Adventure of Santa Claus. And there's oh, yeah, yeah. animation and an animated movie of that. It comes out every year. Yeah, and we pull that book out every uh, every Christmas. We've been reading yeah, it to the kids since they've been born. Every Christmas we read that one. That's, that's, um, that's one of the one of the lesser known. Uh, that's Rankin and Bass, right? That's the same as it, all yeah, the other yep, guys. Yep, yeah, yep. and it's that, that's not on every year. 
I, I like yeah. that one a lot, though. Uh, they do. They do the uh, between that and the anime. There's an animated version of it too, and uh, one of them is on uh, all the time on one of the cable channels or out there. But um, the interesting thing is, Bomb at the same time that Coca-Cola was kind of using this German picture of Santa with the rotund Santa, and the, uh, so was Bomb. So he was using that same kind of uh, influence, that same picture uh, look for Santa. And, uh, and really established a great backstory about Santa, uh, you know, living in the forest and communicating with the animals and all this stuff, which, uh, which is wonderful. The claymation is great. It cracks me up. Uh, Tingler the Elf makes me laugh out loud every time I see it. Um, we have Santa here every year at the museum, and uh, Tingler is with him every year, so that's always great. Um, and, you know, just great things. And, and the funny thing is, so Baum did all these things, and, and he really created a world that anyone could play in. Right, and we see the comics, and and we see it in things like Wicked, uh, which is another retelling of the Oz story. It's not really canon; it's a little off. But the the premise is: what if the Wicked Witch of the West and Glinda were college roommates? You know, and then there's a new musical that Broadway shut down before it made it to Broadway, <laughs> called um, Chasing Rainbows. And I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that, but I've got some graphics. Uh, I'm not. Uh, Chasing Rainbows is, um, it's, it, this one, I, I'm kind of familiar. It's about yeah. Judy Garland, right? It's, it is. It's the road to Oz. It's the story yeah. of Judy Garland, and it, it starts with her as a young girl and ends with her uh, getting the part as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And it's a wonderful story with original MGM music in it. Um, John Fricke, who you've mentioned, who has actually hosted our festival, this would be 30 years. He started in 1990. Um, he started in 1990. He was an Oz historian, and he started hosting our festival in Chittenango. He's from New York City. And uh, then he became uh, very famous, and he has a Grammy nomination. He won two Emmy Awards. He's written seven New York Times bestselling books. And he still comes back every year to Chittenango, New York, to host our event, which we're very thankful for. Yeah. He's, and he's a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, we see him all the time and when we go to New York. But uh, he was the creative consultant on Chasing Rainbows. And uh, a lady named Tina Marie... Uh, Libby was, uh, is the, the creative uh, producer and kind of uh, wrote it, uh, got it going. And then this lady, Ruby Rakos, is a Broadway actress. She started out in Billy Elliot and uh, then went to uh, take over the role of uh, Judy Garland and has played Judy Garland in uh, Chasing Rainbows. And uh, it's an amazing show. We got to see it good speed before the world stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. Um, well, well, we got a second here. We're talking about Broadway. Um, yeah. we're I know you like going to shows. I, I know yeah. I've been in shows with your son. Um, yes. I know yeah. you're, sure. you're a big supporter of all the arts and all that stuff. Um, how, do you, how do you feel? You think it's gonna, when do you think it's going to come back? I mean, uh, you know, this is just speculation. No. This is just... Uh, Listen, think, not things are going to change. The, the Broadway, Broadway is closed at least through the beginning of September right now. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do is we have to find a way to go forward in a safe manner in a Broadway setting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's masks. I don't know if that's filtration. I don't know if it's temperature checks at the, I don't know what the solution is, but mm -hmm. we need to, you know, this, this is so my, my day job is with a pharmacy chain, right? Um, so I get CDC information. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be on the CNY reopening committee here uh, for Madison County and uh, helped create some of the rules for us to go into this opening phase. And um, the science and the data is gonna guide what we do, right? The mm -hmm. science doesn't lie. As of this morning, we have about 280,000 active COVID-19 cases in New York State still. 
right? So that's the reality of it. Even though our numbers are coming down, it's still huge. I mean, yeah. more than a quarter million people. Um, so it's still enormous. So for Broadway, for the arts, for theaters to come back, uh, you know, a theater like a CNY Playhouse is a great one. That's in the Shopping Town Mall. I mm -hmm. uh, love that theater, go there all the time. Uh, you've been in several shows there. Yep. Uh, you could space out, but you're going to have a crowd of 45 people instead of yeah. 50, right? And it's, uh, and you're not going to, you're not going to make the money you need to make. Uh, I mean, right. I'm on the board of the Baltimore Theater Guild right now. I, I was on the board at CMI Playhouse. This is, uh, it's going to be a big hit, but it is. I don't know. And, and it's the same place as where we are here. You know, we, we'd love to have people coming in and we'd love to have the bus tour of 50 people, but it's not going to happen. So, yeah. so we figure out a way to get past that. And for Broadway and for theaters in general, that's the key is how do you figure it out? Do you put, I mean, do you plexiglass every seat? It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, but it's possible. And I don't know. It's a new kind of thing for us. And, mm. uh, you know, hockey games happen behind glass. Yeah. Anything is possible. That's true. That's true. Um, it's about time and energy. You can't go to a retail store, to the drugstore, to the grocery store now without talking to somebody through Plexi. So yeah. there's ways to make it happen, right? Um, it's going to be an adjustment on our part. We're not used to having to make that kind of adjustment, but um, let's not lie. New York City is the greatest city in the world. Yep. The theater is going to go on. The theater has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's going to continue. And uh, we just have to wait to get there. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, speaking of... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But speaking of New York and uh, speaking of Broadway, we are fortunate enough to have someone who has been there. Uh, Miss Ruby Rakos is with us. Uh, hello. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Ruby. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I'm just talking about you. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, our, timing, our timing's been great tonight, I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> right on it. So yeah, we were just talking about. Josh just asked me when. When do I think things will come back to normal, and how do I think we'll go back? And uh, <laughs> I, I said the answer that everybody has, which is I don't know. Um, but I suggest as a hopeful outlook that we do watch hockey games through glass. <laughs> Anything is possible, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I have. God, I have no idea. I don't. I have no expectations. I have no like. Yeah premonitions as to what the future will bring um but honestly i'm kind of i'm kind of enjoying oh there it is hello <laughs> um i'm kind of enjoying my life as it is right now actually like more so some quiet time <laughs> yeah well actually i mean yeah i mean i don't feel like i'm like sh like you know hustling for money to pay my rent um and i mean there's not a lot of auditions right now there were for like the first right. like, month and now everything's quiet because they're realizing none of the stuff we just auditioned for is actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just at home and I've decided to use all my free time. Um, I started taking mm -hmm. some like college classes online. Um, nice. I, I didn't go to school. So um, it's something I've always wanted to do, but never had the time. So what are, what are you studying? Right now I'm taking an English course, just like an English composition, like 101. So I have not written an essay in over six years. <laughs> so, and this is my, I think this is about to be my third week of classes. And like already, like I've written like four essays in, <laughs> in like three weeks. Um, yeah. And then the second session this summer, I'm taking um, an intro to psychology course. Cause why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's hey. great. You're actually, you're actually using the time you have to learn something new. That's great. Uh, so many people say they're going to, and they didn't. So that's awesome. Um, 
Uh, Mark, you were going to say? Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you a question that uh, I've wanted to ask you. And of course, we're not having a festival this year, so there's no chance to ask you on stage. Um, but uh, what, uh, when, you, when you got into the, the Judy Garland uh, part for Chasing Rainbows, right? Um, I, I want a little behind the scenes dirt, right? So first, you get to pay, play somebody extraordinarily famous. Everybody knows Judy. Everybody yeah. knows the Wizard of Oz. Everybody kind of knows this story, right? How do you approach that as an actress? How do you say, you know, I'm going to make this mine and I'm going to do this justice. And did you, did you study any old Judy clips? Did you, what did you have to go through to kind of get ready for that? Yeah. Um, before I auditioned for the show, I did not know much at all about Judy. Um, I knew obviously the Wizard of Oz. Um, I knew about her um, TV show in the 60s because it's very, you know, memeable and it's very popular. Right. Um, <laughs> so I knew about those two things. I obviously knew about her death because that's very well known, but I knew nothing about the time period that the show covers. Like I knew absolutely nothing. Um, so in the three weeks, I had three weeks notice for my first audition and I spent those three weeks just reading like biography after biography. I think I read one all the way through and then the rest I sort of just stopped <laughs> at the Wizard yeah. of Oz where the show ends. Um, and I had several songs of hers that I had to um, prepare for the audition. And I just mm -hmm. listened to her recordings of those songs over and over again. And I would like sing them like with her to like copy her, um, you know, her like cascades and her phrasing right. mm -hmm. um, and her diction. And I would just be like standing there waiting for the bus to go to school because it was my uh, senior year of high school. Um, okay. And I was waiting for the bus and I would just like, just stand outside alone and just sing along. Wow, that's that's, I gotta say that's amazing. Your senior year in high school and you're standing there preparing to play, to audition to play Judy Garland. I, I mean, that's amazing. I, you know, as someone who, um, as a, a 40 year old man here who has been doing community theater his whole life and hasn't made it any farther than that, I am, that's amazing to me, and uh, man, that's great. Um, so how how did that feel? I mean, I, I just I, I would love that feeling. That must have been just amazing to, to even to just get the chance to try and do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was always um, my dream to uh, be on Broadway, which I had already I I did that at twelve. <laughs> I, I was in Billy Elliot on Broadway when I was twelve, but um, you know, I was in the ensemble. Like I'd never really played a lead part outside of, you know, my middle school musical. So to get to uh, star in a new musical, like work from the ground up um, where the part is, you know, when I met um, the creative team, um, Mark Isito, our book writer, had just really started working on the show and had not like written a script yet. So like this show was sort of um, you know, the part was sort of like built around me and to my strengths. And um, most, most people don't get that opportunity. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I have to say, so I've seen you perform casually here at Ostravaganza. And I've seen you perform professionally on stage. And you're absolutely brilliant in this role. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. It's like uh, uh, wearing a perfectly fitting glove and uh, it's amazing. And I, I was surprised kind of uh, another little behind the scenes thing on how Broadway works. So every time they reproduce this show at another theater, you have to re-audition, right? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, crazy to me. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, and specifically uh, with, with our show, more so probably than others, is that we've had um, 
five different directors now. So every time we did do a new production, it was a new creative team. So of course you have to go in like they, you know, they may have seen you in the last production or something, but like, you know, it's a completely different director. It's a completely different choreographer. They have different ideas. So they have to themselves like decide that they want you as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a concept video out there uh, of got a pair of new shoes, right? Which is, yeah. show, which is absolutely brilliant. Everyone should watch it. If you haven't seen it, go find it, go to YouTube, uh, got a pair of new shoes uh, from the Chasing Rainbows cast. Ruby, you're great in it. Um, it it's not really the show, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> concept. Um, but it's really super cool. Uh, tell, tell us about that because that was a neat story that I don't think everyone got to know, but tell us about that shoot and, and what, what really happened there. <laughs> well, um, it, they had rented out uh, this like vacant storefront, like right at the entrance of the Holland Tunnel. I actually, when I got there, recognized it from all my years of like commuting into the city. I recognized the building um, and it was just this vacant storefront. And um, Kevin McGlynn, who has played various roles uh, in Chasing Rainbows and is probably the only person who's been, been in the show as long as I have, um, he actually uh, was the like... Um, artistic designer he was like the set designer mm -hmm. and set dresser for that video so he um well, we it was sort of partnered with Cole Han Cole Han like provided um all the shoes and stuff for the shoot mm -hmm. so he got to like raid one of their warehouses and like take what he wanted and was able to like dress this vacant um storefront uh, as like a as a shoe store um, and it, you walk in and he's like running around with like man there's mannequins and he's like changing scarves and stuff uh, which was really fun um but yeah that did, was a did you shoot that overnight yeah that was a that was a night shoot right <laughs> 12, 12 13 hours yeah. <laughs> i think i got there at like 4 30 uh, in the afternoon on a sunday and i did not leave until hmm, 5 a.m <laughs> on monday it's, morning it's crazy uh, and it's like a four minute video and it's brilliant <laughs> Really I, I had I had a horrible horrible cold the whole time. Thank God oh, I didn't yeah. have to sing live. Um, I was just like hopped up on cold medicine the whole time. And who uh, who played uh, the the Mickey Rooney in that? Oh, that was um my Michael. I know his name's Michael. So that, that was different than the different yes. than the show, right? Yes, so I, that was a different I Mickey. Can't yeah, I remember his name um off the top of my another head, actor. But, sorry. Uh, Yes, uh, his his name is also Michael. <laughs> um, yes, oh, Michael! Was, Michael played it, of course. Yeah, yeah. We've had so many Michaels in the show. Which one? <laughs> Take your pick. Um, uh, he was in the Share Show at the time. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I yeah. just lost. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to throw you off. Um, but yeah, so it, it was great. So, what have you gotten to? Have you done any other festivals or anything other than ours? No, because uh, ours is super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know that like, you know, Over the Wild Festival was a thing until, it was, uh, yeah. until, um, you know, you guys approached me, but, uh, it was, I had no well, idea see, what, what I was getting myself into, as I've said, but <laughs> I I, that, that was why I did that too. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, that's I funny. Don't. You, Josh, you know, Josh plays our scarecrow. Right. Yeah. The festival, he's our scarecrow over here. And his wife, Corey, is our director of costume characters. She's our Glinda. And uh, so it's funny because uh, now you've been to the largest and longest running Wizard of Oz uh, uh, festival. So mm -hmm. really not a reason to do any others. Uh, <laughs> no, there's, there's a few of them around the country. Uh, and it's kind of neat to see these people come out. And they're such avid fans, right? They're so, yeah. 
to it. And you, when, uh, I know you were still playing Scarecrow somewhere when she started performing. Uh, but Ruby, when you started performing in the church this last time when we were doing our show, I, you could have heard a pin drop in there. People were just dumbfounded. And I got to tell you, for like two weeks after that, everyone who walked in, every time we crossed paths, when the mayor came, it was all, who was that? How does she possibly pull that off? How is she so good? And uh, it was amazing. They were like, oh my God, it's like she embodied Judy Garland right in <laughs> And uh, it was really remarkable. So really, bravo, bravo, well done. I hope that you guys get a, a theater on Broadway. I hope. Broadway. I mean, they all seem to and be there's a theater. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eventually the world's going to open back up, right? Yeah. Yeah, at some point. My, my son's know. a BFA acting student at Fredonia, so it really has right. to. Or he's going to live at home forever. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is theater, so it may end up that way anyway. <laughs> Look at me. I'm at my parents' house right now. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, yeah, well, this is uh, the Smallwood Sessions, and uh, we like to bill ourselves as stupid fun with a little bit of heart. So <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask you a stupid question. Your name is Ruby. Do yeah. you think that helped you get the part? <laughs> um, it definitely didn't hurt. Uh, I think it just sort of like solidified in their minds and specifically uh, Tina Marie Casamento Livy, our um, conceiving producer, you know, it's her brainchild, her whole thing. And um, she's the person I met initially. Um, you know, the fact that I, un, un, like, really, I was not auditioning for the show. I didn't really know about the show. And I, she saw me sing a Judy Garland song um, and my name was Ruby was I think just like just like just the icing on the cake yeah yeah perfect it would have been funny if she said no my name is really Gretchen and I changed it <laughs> people ask me if I if it's like a stage name or if I changed my name for this show and no I'm actually named after uh our my my mother's next door neighbor growing up uh, Doris <laughs> Ruby. so you know it, I could have been worse I could have been named Doris <laughs> listen it's a great name and easy to spell so I'm all for it yeah. I'm not according to Starbucks. It's not. What? So <laughs> they have trouble with any name there. They do. <laughs> yeah, try being a Mark with a C and going to Starbucks. Oh my God! And if you try to tell them it's Mark with a C, they will purposely spell it wrong. <laughs> or yeah. my my wife's name is Corey uh, with a K, and yeah. nobody knows that at all. She never gets it. They never get it. Right <laughs> <with> her, <so. laughs> Corey and I should trade. We could trade our C and our K. There you go. <laughs> um, my wife, Corey, uh, she's actually right here. She wanted me to, uh, to thank you uh, personally, Ruby, for your shout out to our friend, Patrick. Um, oh, of course. That was great. Uh, it we know it made his day. And, um, it, you know, a lot of people did that. And it was, it was wonderful to see a lot of people reach out to someone who is, you know, Broadway is one of his favorite things. Um, all that stuff, Wizard of Oz, Broadway, all that stuff. And to hear from you was, uh, was a really great thing for him. So thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. That was brilliant. And also, uh, before we let you go, I, I just want to say thank you to uh, Ruby did a video for us, a fundraising video, because as you know, we're closed. We have no festival, no bus tours, and we're closed. So 25% right. of our budget went away. Um, we're all volunteer. Uh, so that's good. We don't have to fire anyone <laughs> about payroll. Um, but we still have to pay for the building and everything. I mean, we own the building, but the security and the lights and the right, heat. Right, right everything that goes along with it. So uh, thank you very much for that. That was very appreciated and uh, just wonderful um, in every possible way. You're just wonderful all around. Yeah, I gotta wanna, say this Don't you wanna move to Central New York? <laughs> <laughs> I know where you can do some theater. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It might not be the same, but when it opens. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
So um, before we let you go again, I know uh, it's COVID quarantine time and nothing's going on, but do you have anything you want to plug? Any, anything you want people to check out? Um, well, before everything shut down, I was uh, going to be doing my first um, solo show at Birdland um, in the city. Uh, that oh, was supposed awesome. to be June 16th. That is clearly not happening. Um, we're, we've still been working on it. Um, and I think we've gotten to the point uh, as far as we can without seeing each other in person. Um, so that will be happening in some form in some venue or on the internet sometime in the future i will let people know when i know but it's okay. happening at some point it's <laughs> great awesome well thank you so very much for joining us uh ruby rakos uh from chasing rainbows uh who hopefully we'll see we'll be able to see that soon um so thank you so much this was an absolute treat thank you for having me bye ruby bye bye mark bye josh Thank you. So what fun we have talking about our stuff, huh? Yeah, this was great. Thanks, Mark. I want to really want to thank Mark uh, for getting these guests to come. And this is amazing. And I want to say, um, you know, a shout out if you guys can, um, Mark, I'll let you give the actual information because um, I don't have the actual information here. But if you guys can, um, I know uh, it, it would help out if you guys can donate a couple bucks um, to uh, All Things Oz and all of those guys down there. Like I said, I'm gonna have Mark tell you guys exactly how to do that. Um, but they're doing awesome stuff down there. Um, and once you can, go check it out. Um, and Oz Stravaganza is not happening this year, but as I said, keep an eye out. There's a lot of stuff they're doing. Uh, again, I'm gonna kick it to Mark in a second here. He'll tell you all the specifics. So here we go. Mark, tell them all the specifics. <laughs> all right, thanks, Josh. Uh, yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash allthingsoz. We're right there. We've also got the Oz Stravaganza site on Facebook. And then online, you can go to allthingsoz.org uh, and you can donate there. You can join, you can become a member of the foundation, $20 individual, $40 for a family or a household. Um, so it's really affordable and that money all goes 100% into the foundation because like I said, we're all volunteer. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, we're a member of the Museum Association of New York. We're a chartered historical foundation in New York. And uh, so we've got a lot going on there. And then, um, you know, we also have this uh, three by three campaign and actually Josh and Corey, I think are doing a video for us for that. But we've got a three by three campaign, uh, donate $3 to the foundation and tell three friends. That's what we're asking you to do. So it's not a lot of money. If you can afford more, donate more, but donate three bucks, tell three friends. Uh, and uh, you can go to allthingsoz.org or to our Facebook page and check that out. But before I let you go, I, I wanna share with, uh, with your viewers here, something brand new to the collection you want to see something brand new nobody I do. we have this is this is audio so i'll describe it but i'm i'll take okay. a i'll take a screenshot of you holding it up and put it on the, okay. on the facebook and the website and all that stuff so i we will better. let people see so we're going to tell them about it so yeah. what we have here is uh this costume just came i'll pull that up so you can see in there a little bit uh this costume just came this is the uncle henry costume from David Allen Greer in Muppet Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow, that is this cool. Is, this is the 15th anniversary of the movie Muppet Wizard of Oz. And uh, we just this week got David Allen Greer's uh, Uncle Henry costume. Uh, awesome. movie, uh, and it's gonna be a part of our collection, the permanent exhibit here. And it's gonna be absolutely spectacular. I'm so happy uh, that we got this. We're so thrilled. 
And um, so along with things from Chasing Rainbows that you heard about with uh, original artwork from Legends of Oz, The Wicked West, Tom's book, and all the things that we have from The Wiz and After the Wizard and Ozland and of course the MGM stuff and the bomb books and writing. And if we, we've now got the, uh, the costume from Uncle Henry from Muppet Wizard of Oz and we're just thrilled to have it. And That's awesome. It, when we get open again, <laughs> we'll have a big exhibit, and uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, Mark, what is, and I, this might be putting you on the spot here, what's your favorite piece in the museum? Uh, you know, I, I've got to say, we. so here's the thing. So the first Broadway show I ever saw was The Wiz, right? I am a huge fan of Andre De Shields. I am a huge fan of Ken Page, Stephanie Mills, the whole gang from The Wiz, right? Mm-hmm. And a few years back, Andre donated to me personally, handed him in my hands, but donated to the foundation, the original Emerald City glasses from the 1975 production of The Wiz. And they bedazzled before bedazzling was a thing. And they are marvelous. (laughs) That is absolutely my favorite piece, followed very closely very, very closely by the new Muppet <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I like the offbeat, man. Yeah. Um, the Munchkin appearance costumes. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff to pick from, but the, the, Wiz, the Wiz case is, is my love, and those glasses are so cool. And I just, you know, I want to go over and just, like, put them on, um, but, but they frown on that, so I can't. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're neat to see in person. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on the Smallwood Sessions. Um, it's a, it's a shame to hear about Ostravaganza, but you guys got stuff going on. Uh, you guys can donate. He told you all that. I'm going to put it in writing down underneath all this stuff so you can check that out when we're done here. Um, go donate a couple bucks. Donate three bucks. Tell three of your friends. It's that simple, and then they're going to get a lot, and it's not a lot from you. So uh, help out if you can, and um, you know, keep chasing rainbows uh, and follow that yellow brick road, right? That's, uh, That's right. That's stuff Perfect. in there. So. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and my rowdy Oz friends on. Yeah, it was great. We'll do it again. Uh, We'll have to do it again. Return to Oz. Uh, We'll do it uh, soon. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Take it easy, Mark. Oh, hey, guys. It's me, Josh, again. I really want to thank Tom Hutchison for coming out and talking to us. If you guys want to see more of his stuff, go check it out at BigDogInc.com. That's Inc. with a K. Uh, He's doing Legends of Oz, The Wicked West, some great graphic novels there that you guys should really go check out. I also want to thank Ruby Rakos from Chasing Rainbows, The Road to Oz. She's playing Judy Garland. Amazing that we got to talk to her, huh? That was really cool. Uh, But, guys, we got some more guests coming up. Um... So here they come. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, We got a lot of people telling us about their favorite stories from Oz. So enjoy, guys. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, We want to help out uh, the Oz guys down there and you guys uh, in Chittenango because we know um, that this brings in a lot of tourism for you guys and a lot of of revenue that you guys aren't – unfortunately aren't going to get this year. So we're telling, we're telling people to donate uh, to all things Oz and all the, all the stuff they can. Um, so how about, uh, could you just introduce yourself? Tell us who we're talking to here and um, tell us how, you know, well, once you tell us who you are, they're going to understand why you're uh, a <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm Ronnie Goler. I'm a former mayor of the village of Chittenango. I was on the board for 20 years, but mayor for eight. Uh, starting in 2008. So I got to know the Oz 
uh, extravaganza people and the committees and, and the people who come to visit uh, very well in my eight years as mayor. Uh, well, that must be really fun. I know um, a bunch of people in that group. I know they're a lot of fun. Um, and um, but that that does a, a lot down there. Uh, I was talking with Mark Baum. He said they get about 30,000 people down there um, for every extravaganza. Those numbers sound about right. <laughs> they, they do sound about right. Uh, uh, again, it's always weather dependent. Mm -hmm. so if, it's, if it's bad weather, sometimes the attendance is lower. But yeah, uh, yeah it takes a it takes a lot to put on such an event yeah yeah and uh un unfortunately again this year it's not happening i was talking to mark they had so much stuff in the works i mean they, they pretty much start working on it the day it's done uh they start working on next year's and uh unfortunately with this um you know nothing's going on other than i, I hear they're doing a live broadcast uh actually when this comes out you probably just listen to that live broadcast so thanks for joining us here on the smallwood sessions now yeah. uh Mark got me some great guests, uh, including yourself here. And uh, we're asking everyone, what's your favorite Oz moment? It doesn't necessarily have to be an Oz extravaganza moment. It can just be anything, um, anything related to Oz, or you can give us both. You can give us your favorite Oz moment and your favorite Oz extravaganza moment. Well, I can tell you my favorite moment was with uh, Margaret Pellegrini. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2008, I, I was elected in March and, and got placed on the board in April. So all the plans were done by the mayor before me, uh, working with the committee. And he, he was mayor for a very long time, uh, Bob French. Hopefully you get to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And Margaret didn't know me, didn't know me at all. So anytime she wanted something or whatever, she would continue to ask Bob. You know, Bob, what about this? Bob, what about that? You know, just kept going and going and going. So after three days of this, we at the end of Extravaganza, they always have a like a farewell party of all the volunteers and and the uh, guests come and sign autographs and things like that. <clears throat> so I uh, I went to that for my first time, and Margaret again would go to Bob and start asking himself. To, and finally, Bob turns to Margaret and said, "Margaret." Let me introduce you to the new mayor. <laughs> Ron Bowler, new mayor. Now, uh, what, you know, what do you want? I'm sure he can answer it. Mm. And, she turned, and she turns to me with the strictest face and said, Ronnie, don't fuck this up. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> nice to meet you, Margaret. <laughs> she, she was really that kind of lady who just stated her mind and she, she was fabulous. And I, yeah. you know, I That's great. I love hearing the stories. Um, as I said, I I've been uh, I've been the scarecrow uh, for the last uh, I want to say four years now um, for the Oz guys down there, and I go every year. And it's it's the highlight. It's one of the highlights of my summer um, because I feel like a huge rock star. Yeah. <laughs> you there. are there. Yeah, and it's the one place where I can actually feel like a rock star. And um, a lot of the guests that. Um, you guys had down there are are amazing uh would you say that's your that uh that's your favorite guest um from austria Afghanistan? well i i've had a few over over the course of time i really enjoy uh john fricky mm -hmm. uh, he's an incredible uh resource yep. uh, and speaker i i i liked uh gregory mcguire mm -hmm. 
the the one with the most flair was probably uh, Andre De Shields. <laughs> we keep hearing that. <laughs> he, he was funny in a, in a great. He uh, he was dressed in his Wiz outfit, and people in the audience would say, "Look, it's Superfly." It's <laughs> no, it's actually the Wiz. So <laughs> kind of predated a lot of people who who would have known mm. what that was and that kind of stuff but uh he he was definitely i gave him the key to the to the village and he he was a, he was an amazing guest as well yeah uh we keep hearing that actually uh mark said he was supposed to be our your big headliner this year uh down there and unfortunately he won't be we're actually trying to get him to come talk to me for a minute if he if he'd be willing to do that that would be nice that would be great um, enjoy talking to yeah, I've, I've, I really want to. I've heard nothing but great things about him. I would love to sit down and talk for a minute if, he, if he'd be willing. Uh, so maybe he is. Uh, maybe we'll talk to him a little later. Um, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Smallwood Sessions. Um, anything you want to say uh, to the people of Oz, the people out there listening? Um, people Just, I, I miss uh, seeing everyone. I'm now in Florida, but uh, I, I wish them all the greatest success and and they have great leadership and they, they do such a great job for so many people who want to keep this alive in their, in their childhood and memories and things like that. So it's mm. wonderful. Thank you very much for doing this. I greatly appreciate it. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. So have a great day. I'm really happy to uh, kind of partner with our friends at um, all things Oz and uh, get some people here who know a lot about The Wizard of Oz and who have some really great experiences and memories. Um, and Mark put me in touch with you, said you would have some wonderful stories for us. Um, <laughs> so if you, if you wouldn't mind regaling us, uh, we are with uh, Jane Albright, who is, um, from what I understand, you're the president of the International Wizard of Oz Club. That I am, yes. I've been a member since 1972, I believe, and attended Oz events, both club events and public events for what is now, you know, what is that, 40, 50 years? Oh, wow. <clears throat> All right. Um, uh, hello, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We had a, I had a little bit of an issue on my end here, I think. God has a special place in heaven for editors, so we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what, what do you guys do uh, in the Oz, uh, International Oz Club other than you, ho uh, you obviously host some events um, and you have a presence at other events that are hosted? Uh, what do you guys, what's your main goal there? Yeah. The International Wizard of Oz Club was founded in 1957 by what was then a 13-year-old boy who read the Oz books. And his interest was gathering a fan group of friends who read the Oz books and meeting other uh, kids who were young readers. Over the years, of course, that evolved. People would hear that it was an Oz club and join because they were particularly passionate about the 1939 MGM film, The Wiz, um, today, of course, Wicked, lots of other productions that have drawn a lot of fans to us. We publish a journal three times a year that's just full of articles and submissions and book reviews and news and happenings. We do host an event um, at least once a year. This year's was intended to be in East Aurora, New York, where Oz illustrator W.W. Denslow was a member of the Roy Crofters community um, in the, around the turn of the, well, I started to say the turn of the century. We're two centuries in now, in the early 1900s. Um, and we maintain a, a collection of extraordinarily rare books, original artwork, uh, materials like that. 
we're a nonprofit like all things Oz. Let me say that again. Like all things Oz, we are a non-for-profit 501c3 organization with an educational mission. Oh, that's great. Um, it's great to see people preserving the memory of Oz and uh, all things Oz. Uh, I know this is an audio uh, podcast, so those of you can't see what I'm looking at right now, but uh, Jane, you have a wonderful uh, collection behind you. I can see a, um, a flying monkey face. Uh, that's one of my favorites. I, I know you won't. I know just doing audio, but the the um, shelves behind me are things that just haven't found a home in my Oz room that is kind of massive. Back in that corner are toys and games. My library is kind of behind me. Um, you can't see international stuff from here, but that fills about an eight foot wide, eight foot tall case. I, I mean, love collecting. I love yeah. Collecting. It looks like an amazing collection. Um, I wish, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'll put some of this on here. You showing us around because that looked really cool. You got a lot of really cool stuff on there. Um, when you can't even see what the camera is uh, capturing. I don't know how useful it'd be, but I just wanted you to know. Yeah, it's a, a huge room up there. <laughs> That's one of the things. What one of the things I particularly love about All Things Oz is it gives the public an opportunity to see a really massive Oz collection that offers more than just a celebration of the MGM film. They mm -hmm. did a great job of really appealing to all aspects of Oz and grouping lots of uh, material together that give people a really good perspective of how much that particular story has impacted our popular culture in the last 120 years. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a huge influence. Uh, all generations, you know, all ages, everybody knows at least a little something about The Wizard of Oz. That, you know, uh, there's no place like home. Everybody knows that. And it's been used in so many other things, pop culture references, every move. You know, you watch a movie and they're going to, 90% of the time, they're going to reference The Wizard of Oz because it's so ingrained in everyone's brain and the pop culture. Um, now, the question I'd like to ask you is, what is your favorite uh kind of retelling of us not including you know the original movie and uh uh not well not the original movie but the mgm movie and uh not including you know bomb's original 14 books and and anything that's um actual canon what's your favorite offshoot of oz your favorite uh side oz project oh gosh you know i'm i'm torn in answering that question between the broadway production of the Wiz. Mm -hmm. and Wicked. Mm -hmm. The traveling company of The Wiz was the first Broadway production I remember ever seeing. And I was just overwhelmed at how, particularly the choreography, at how extraordinary uh, that musical was and how faithful it was to Baum's original text. Um, so I've always remained especially fond of the Broadway production. Then um, Wicked, which is completely not faithful to Bob's text, is a completely different story. Um, the, again, the Broadway musical is just captivating. And I think Gregory Maguire's intent in writing the story was really meaningful. Um, yeah. He used Oz in a different way and as a public touchstone that anyone would understand his references without him to elaborate. And uh, really challenge people to think about our perspective on uh, who is and who isn't wicked in our in our culture and our society. Yeah, yeah, and it opened up a whole new uh, new fandom and fan base to the to the original texts and all that stuff. A lot of people who only knew Wicked, oddly, probably only know Wicked and only know the the MGM movie. Um, once Wicked came out, a lot of those people, and I know I'm one of them. Uh, my wife is one of them too. We really 
then proceeded to delve into the into the whole story and the history and realized that I mean there's 40 40 or so official um, yeah. books and uh, so much fan stuff uh, we actually were talking with uh, Tom Hutchison um, earlier in the podcast who does the um, the uh, wicked West yeah. ones the legends of Oz and wicked West and th that's a really cool retelling and it's very nice to see that you can take the original characters and you can take the, that scene and you can do your own spin on it. And it's really interesting and it's really fun. Um, and I, I really like seeing that stuff. And it seems that um, you guys uh, with the International Wizard of Oz Club and with all things Oz, you're, you're big fans of the fans and big fans of the stuff that other people are doing too, not just the official stuff. You know, you want to, you want to get a hold of everything and see what you can. Um, but one of the things one of the things that I think is particularly great about Tom's series is its graphic novels. Mm -hmm. So you can reach out to a whole group, particularly of young people who are not ready to digest an entire novel. And, you know, there have been graphic novels before. Eric Shanauer's are among my absolute favorites. Um, but I think he does a particularly great job of reaching out to the graphic novel audience with his uh, Wild West version of Oz. Yeah, it's a very interesting spin on it, um, and I, I like that a lot. You know, I like when um, things that are things that you know get a new spin, and uh, it reaches a whole new audience. And like you said, with the younger people, uh, the younger generation who will pick up a graphic novel before they pick up an actual novel, it's a very good good way to get them in. I was doing a large exhibit. I guess it was two summers ago. I was thinking just last summer, and I wanted to do a case of material that would show the current, you know, things you can get right now that would appeal to young children and an additional case that would appeal maybe to older kids. And using graphic novels, using the Dorothy Must Die series, things like the collectible Funko Pop toys, um, I, I can't even remember now everything I put in it, but uh, Paul Miles Schneider's Oz books that he's come out with, he has a trilogy, all those things, Ages of Oz, there's plenty of material that's coming out now that attracts a younger audience than me. I realize your audience can't see that I'm a gray-headed woman sitting here interviewing you, um, but it, I love seeing things that appeal to young readers and um, help attract younger fans to this fantasy land because it's really a timeless, timeless place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I thank you uh, very much for joining me today and talking to us about Oz. Uh, I have one last question uh, that I'm going to ask everybody here. I got a bunch of guests on the podcast this week, and we're asking them all the same question. What is your very favorite memory of The Wizard of Oz, be it, um, be it a festival, be it the first time you read the book? What's just your favorite Oz memory? Oh, dear. I, I was all prepared to tell you that my favorite Oztravaganza memory was when Andre de Shields stepped up and sang Believe in Yourself and you know the audience all but wept but personally the most extraordinary Oz experience I've ever had is walking down the Yellow Brick Road on Beach Mountain in North Carolina. Um, I was alone it was 2010 and it was very much like it would have been for Dorothy who was in a strange place and didn't know what was going to happen next and this yellow brick road just stretched out before me um i'll never forget that it was the most surreal oz experience i've ever had a, that sense that oz is a real place and suddenly i found myself there 
that that's a wonderful story. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure everybody out there listening uh, has their own Oz story and uh, it's got a special place in everyone's heart um, across the well, nation, across you, the world. I certainly hope you have someone telling you that when Andre DeShields stepped forward on that stage and began to sing, um, it just filled a whole lot of hearts. I walked out with my good friend Blair Fidelius, who's there in Syracuse, and we walked out silently and he just said, I don't think we have to go to church tomorrow. Yeah. It, it had just been a really profound um, moment for, to hear Andre. His interview was lovely and his performance. Yeah. All, all things Oz, Ostravaganza moment. Yeah, from all, from all I've heard, he is a, a, a great guy, uh, a real stand-up individual. Um, and um, from what I heard from Mark, he was supposed to be their um, big headliner this year, too. He was supposed to be coming back, and unfortunately, due to the situation he won't be um but uh fingers crossed mark and i are still working on getting him on this podcast um this week hopefully so maybe he'll come in wonderful i took i took a weekend trip to chicago when andre was going to appear in a cabaret show called waz as the wizard and that was wonderfully fun experience um in that song they weren't in that show they weren't singing oz music they were singing popular music that was consistent with the characters and situations of Oz and Andre sang um, Welcome to the Jungle as the Emerald City song and And Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror after he'd been revealed behind the curtain. Oh, Um, wow, that's great. (laughs) I I would love to get my hands on a copy of that to hear that. That that must have been a wonderful experience. Um, That was absolutely worth a weekend in Chicago. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, Jane, thank you so much uh, for being on the, on the program with us today. Yeah, this was really fun. Uh, when, where can people find out more about uh, the, the organization? Our, our easiest access is through ozclub.org, which is our website. And I would imagine since this is online, your various listeners are accustomed to using the web. Yeah. So I direct them to uh, ozclub.org. I keep a blog there uh, down towards the bottom of the page where I try to keep news and happenings um, mentioned there with lots of information about the club, links to other informative Wizard of Oz sites, the link to our shop, shopozclub.org, where people can actually join the club if they're interested. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully we'll get some people checking that out. And, um, you know, uh, remember Oz, have a great time. Love Oz. And uh, if you guys, if you guys want uh, support uh, all things Oz um, by going to their website and you can donate a couple bucks there and then tell all your friends to donate a couple bucks and uh, that'll help them out a lot. Cause as we all know, they're losing a lot of their income this year. About 75% of their income is bus tours and the Oz Travaganza. That's not happening. So um, if you guys have it, have a second, go check that out. They, the, all Things Oz, just thank the Oz Club for donating a couple of cartons of books that they could use as prizes for their writing contest this year. And I've tried to not only, I don't often have funds to really help with, but mm-hmm. I've tried donating books to their research libraries and their reading libraries and um, things like that that I can do. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. Um, and, you know, uh, there's no place like home. So <laughs> hopefully i'll be seeing you at a future extravaganza josh thank you i so hope much so i'm i'm the scarecrow in case you're looking <laughs> <laughs> super thanks have a great day that thank you for having me yep. bye-bye hey 
Hey, it's me, Josh, again. Just want to take a minute to thank uh, Ronnie Goler for coming out and talking to us, uh, ex-mayor of Chittenango. He's got some great stories there. I could have talked to him a lot longer, but that's all we got for the podcast today. Um, I also want to thank Jane Albright, the president of the International Wizard of Oz Club. Uh, you can check her out at ozclub.org and check out all the stuff she's got going on there. Thanks for coming and talking to me, guys. Like I said, we got more guests. We got more and more, so I got a couple more for you guys. Uh, so sit back and relax. Enjoy these guys. They got some more stories to regale you with from us. Okay. All right. Well, I've um, I've been a published author for approximately twenty nine years. Um, I have I've only been published by independent presses. I've also self published. Um, I have been invited to the Ostravaganza Festival for approximately the past decade. Uh, I've been in the uh, Authors and Artists Alley there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of really talented people down there. Uh, we were talking with uh, Tom Hutchison um, just the other day, uh, earlier in the podcast, if you're listening, and uh, he uh, he's doing the um, the Wicked West. Um, Legends of Oz are his the uh, the graphic novels there, and those are really cool. So, what um what is it that you're doing uh, for the Oz World? What are you writing about? Well, I've done a number of things. I've done books that continue the L. Frank Baum series. I've also uh, done an Oz Wonderland crossover uh, series with James C. Wallace the second. Um. There were three three books in that series, and we we would bring one each year to uh, to Ostravaganza, and eventually we had all those combined into one volume, and we we had that published by a small press for a while, but we left that small press, and now I'm back to self publishing with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's out. That sounds really fun. Um, I was actually thinking about that earlier. I was talking to a buddy of mine and we did a uh, play a while back called Alice in Wonderland and it was a take on um, Alice in Wonderland, but it, it had a lot of Oz aspects in it. And I thought that was really cool. And that's very interesting that you're doing uh, doing something like that. Um, and uh, I asked the same question of uh, Tom, you're, you're kind of taking something that people hold really dear to their hearts and you're kind of turning it around and, and switching it up a little bit. How do people generally react to what you're doing? Well, there are many schools of thought when it comes to the to the Oz community. There are those that that really love the 1939 MGM film. There are those that that love the Al Frank Baum books. There are those that that want you to adhere to um, every Oz book ever written, from Al Frank Baum to Ruth Plumley Thompson, all the way on through all the royal historians of Oz. Um, some people really embrace the change and others others would rather you adhere to the original vision. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just different schools of thought on that. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so the stuff you're doing, it sounds like you're staying pretty true uh, to the original stuff. You're just kind of continuing on what's already written. The, I, I had uh, some books that continued the L. Frank Baum books. I had the Oz books of, of Talking City Tales. I had the, uh, the Talking City of Oz. Those were all that, that, continued with L. Frank Baum's vision. The Oz Wonderland series is a little darker and um, not not in a gratuitous way, but not with gratuitous violence, but um, it is more for a young adult audience versus hmm. a, a child audience. Yeah. 
So, uh, which, well, in my opinion, you know, a lot of the original books are are really for a young adult audience uh, and not a not a child audience. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of um, heavy stuff in a lot of the books. Um, and Return to, Return to Oz, the movie, uh, for example, is is really creepy. <laughs> and uh, when I saw that, way too young. And uh, you know, as I said to Mark, I still hear the wheelies in my brain when I'm trying to fall asleep. <laughs> um, but, uh, as I've grown, you know, I really appreciate the, the more avant-garde, uh, the kind of darker Oz stuff. So that sounds really cool. Um, what you're doing there. The, um, the Tin Woodman origin story is pretty horrific. Yes. We, yeah. a lot, many people have talked about that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that, um, in itself and, and a lot of the, the visual stuff is, is frightening, you know, for a child. Um, and as you grow up, you realize that it's actually really good. And a lot of, uh, a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, so as someone who's uh, kind of carried on the work of bomb and uh, continued the, the works going, uh, what got you into um, the wizard of Oz in the very first place? Like what, what really drew you into it and made you an Oz fan? Well, I always watched the, the MGM Oz film with, with my family. I think it was around Thanksgiving every year on regular television. Um, but I also, around around fifth grade, I got into this computer adventure game that actually referenced or actually was based on The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And when I got into that game, I discovered that it wasn't um, like the original, wasn't like the MGM film. Mm-hmm. And so it, that actually um, encouraged me as a kid to go check out some of the books from the library. And yeah. then I started getting into the books then. I didn't actually read all 14 of the L. Frank Baum Oz books until much later in life. I, it took me a while to get, to get through all, all of them off and on because I was also was always reading classics and fantasy and science fiction. And just, you know, mm. um, it just it just uh, took a while for me to, to get through all, all, all 14. Yeah. Um. What is, uh, well, I'll ask again, what's your favorite, who, who, I'm sorry, is your favorite Oz uh, character of all the characters, even, even ones that uh, you wrote about or anything? Who's your favorite, very favorite Oz character? I answered this uh, recently online, I think, and I said Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, um, I had the exact same answer. (laughs) (laughs) He um, reminds me of myself when I was a young kid. He's, He's very, very naive, but he's also... Uh, very trustworthy and friendly, mm-hmm. and so I so I, I um kind of see my uh, younger self in Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I actually had a very very similar answer. Um, he's uh, my my all time favorite Oz character is uh, Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, I wish he'd get some more stuff uh, other than just uh, you know the, the book stuff. And uh, any kids or anybody out there listening to the podcast right now, I'd highly recommend going and checking out the original. Uh, 14 books by L. Frank Baum, The Wizard of Oz. It's a crazy adventure that a lot of people don't really know. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what happens aside from Dorothy going home. Um, at the end, there's a there's a heck of a lot more that happens in Oz. That's really cool stuff. Um, and uh, I asked you your favorite character. What's your what's your favorite uh kind of offshoot? Um, a little uh, you know, um, kind of uh, the weird side of Oz. What's uh, what's your favorite kind of that stuff? 
the weird side of Oz, other than what, <laughs> other than what James and I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, other other than what um, you're doing, uh, but other stuff in the same um, style as that. You know, someone who's kind of taken the Oz, um, the Oz world, and kind of built their own thing in that. Well, I have a, a background in in English literature too, so I actually admire uh, Gregory Maguire's work a good bit as well, and not just the the musical based on his work, but I, I like at least the first three of, of the wicked series. I've, I really enjoyed those. Yeah, those are, I enjoy those too. Um, those are really good. I recommend you go check those out too. <laughs> um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people know the musical, um, but there's actually, how many are in that series? Is there five in that series. Oh goodness. You're asking me numbers now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm awful with them too. So let's just say okay. five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's a bunch of books in that series. You should check them out. They're really good. <laughs> His his take is really good um, on that, and uh, I re- I really like seeing uh, seeing the different takes uh, that have been done um, on Oz, and I'm I'm love the fact that you mixed it with Alice in Wonderland because they seem like they could be uh, very easily of the same world. Uh, was it was it difficult for you guys to put those together, or or did it kind of lend itself to it? Well, what we did is we had a, a representative character from each world. Um, cooperate together we invented a um an oz character to to go with the to, to go with the wonderland character we we invented a character uh called boots mcstomp and boots mcstomp was a pair of uh riding boots brought to life with powder of life and he cooperates with um the white rabbit to try to overthrow the red queen oh, wow. um there's a they they basically kind of have a a quest, but it's more more on the lines of espionage. The the boots has been the boots McStomp character has been on the Red Queen's feet the entire time and has been spying on her. Oh. And so uh, White White uh, Rabbit and he conspire to um, to go against the the Red Queen, who in our version is is um, even darker because she really has been lopping off more heads and mm. has something we call the sarcophagator, which is a sarcophagus and refrigerator combined, where she could could keep the uh the bodies after she cut off the heads oh and and um rolled in around wonderland to to show her power so <laughs> wow well that that sounds interesting uh <laughs> that, that actually sounds great um now where can people uh find this stuff i know you're self-publishing and stuff like that but uh well the the um oz wonderland uh books um james actually re-released that one as a self-published version and it's it's on amazon and i think it can be ordered at bookstores as well um i have a graphic novel based on my corgi ziggy and he goes on different adventures in different fantasy worlds including oz and it's available from um ybr publishing that's an actual an actual independent press and they're at um ybrpub.com and then if you add a backslash shop, you can actually go to the actual shopping area, but it's ybrpub.com. And I also have a, um, a book there called Oz Digs Himself Out, which combines Southern literature with The Wizard of Oz. And it involves a, um, a character who is a descendant of the original Oz Diggs. And right before the Wicked Witch of the West was, was destroyed, she puts a curse on the on the Osdigs family, 
and he eventually does get in my in my books he eventually gets married and, and has uh, has a family and every um every male heir ends up being named Oz Diggs and they have to introduce themselves that way but they can't mention that they're connected in any way to to, to Oz or to the magic of Oz mm. and the um the uh the seventh dis- descendant the Oz Diggs the seventh he works to try to uh, break the curse. He and his entire family have been um, basically uh, ostracized in in Boone, North Carolina, of all places, not far from the Land of Oz theme park. Mm. And um, they they had to eke out a living seven generations ago in a um, general store, and just you know, kind of like that. At that point, that area was more like frontier country, basically kind of the backwoods area wasn't built up like now. And so the family had to to um to go through all that and Osdix the seventh tries to break away from that and regain his um ancestors' magical lineage. Oh. Wow. And oh well that sounds really great. Uh, everything you're mentioning sounds really great. And uh you just told everybody where to find it. So go check that out. Um check out all that stuff. And uh now I'm gonna ask I- uh, I'm going to ask the question I've been asking everybody. What's your very, very favorite Oz moment? Uh, be it Oz Travaganza, be it just something from Oz. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I definitely wanted to mention Oz Travaganza. Um, it's you know it's been a rough year with 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 Oz and all because of the pandemic and um, and Chenango, New York, and the festival itself. All, it, it holds a, a really dear place in my heart. I mean, I've having gone there about a, a about a decade now it, it really means a lot to me mm. but um as far as good memories or the best memories one memory um that really sticks out i actually have two of them that i want to talk about is um when margaret pellegrini the the uh car, um flower pot munchkin mm. um was on stage there and she was she was giving a little discussion and she was telling everybody how Toto was paid a lot more than all the Munchkin actors. The dog was paid a lot more, and she, uh, you know, and and Margaret was always quite feisty, which I loved. And she said, "Well, guess what? We're all alive, and now the dog's dead." <laughs> and she just said that, you know, off the cuff, and that's classic. Margaret Pellegrini, you know, like, you know, now she's passed, but then, you know, it was such a joy to, to know her. And to, yeah, this is, ex- to, you've actually just told uh, the second story so far on the podcast so far about her being quite the uh, feisty individual. Uh, I would, I, I would have loved to be able to meet her. She seems like she was a real hoot. Um, yeah. And I could relate to her too. She's from, she was from Alabama and I'm from South Carolina. So, you know, you have that kind of <laughs> yeah. Southern feistiness too. <laughs> yep. Um, um, and then another, uh, this one's more poignant. It was my first year there and, um, they gathered together all the uh, celebrities and, you know, we're, we're in the authors in our alley. We're not necessarily celebrities, but we're, we're creative people that are appreciated by the committee and are invited. And then there's, there's, um, this, the, the group of munchkins and people, you know, the, the really well-known people, the mm-hmm. celebrities. We were we were allowed to sit with them in a ceremony towards the end, and um, it was very touching because 
Carl Slover was there who had escaped the, the Nazis from what I understood. And I'd heard those stories around, around the table, you know, just breaking bread with, with him. And, you know, Margaret was there and, um, Myrna Swenson, the, uh, Munchkin by marriage, Myrna Swenson and, and Eric Fanor, you know, the well-known, um, Oz artist and, and Oz novelist and, um, many others. And, and, um, James, uh, the illustrator, James Wallace, the illustrator, Gwen Tenniel, and I were in the second row. And um, it was just very poignant to hear um, to hear Carl Slover sing uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow and to hear all of them sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow with, with us and to join in with that. In fact, I, as a friend and I often say, you know, I was cutting onions at that point. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or yeah. the diesel fumes had had gotten to me. <laughs> I, I can imagine everybody was at that point. That that must have been a very powerful moment. Yes, it was. And um, those memories I'll hold dear for, for many years to, to come. Mm-hmm. I really will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ostravaganza has a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I've been going uh, since I'm a kid. I'm from up the road here. I live in uh, Baldensville, New York, right outside of Syracuse, which is right near uh, Chittenango. So I was going when I was a child, and uh, I was really fortunate four years ago. A friend of mine called up and said, hey, you like to fall down a lot, and uh, you can do it without hurting yourself. How would you like to play the Scarecrow at OzFest so, or at Ostravaganza? So now every year uh, for the past four years, I've been the costumed official Scarecrow down there. And um, it's just uh, a wonderful festival, and it's a it's, it's, uh, damn shame that they're not being able to do it this year. Um, but I, I want to tell everybody out there that you can go to allthingsoz.org and you can donate. Uh, it's as easy as donating three bucks and then telling a couple of your friends to donate three bucks and it'll all add up and it's all going to help those guys out. Um, so, uh, uh, Ron, before I let you go here, anything you want to say, uh, to the people of Oz, to the people listening, um, any final thoughts here? Well, I didn't know if you had, had mentioned it or not, but I believe it's this Saturday. At, at noon, there's a Facebook live event where they're actually selling a lot of uh, Munchkin autographs and Munchkin actor autographs, I should say, and yeah. signed books and all kinds of memorabilia. Yeah, actually, um, um, the plan is uh, for this uh, podcast to release right after that. So hopefully you guys uh, were just there checking them out and uh, you got some stuff and uh, you looked at all that stuff and you helped them out. Anything you get there is helping them out. And uh yeah, hopefully uh, you just listened to them and now you're listening to us. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I didn't realize what the time frame was. Oh, no, it, no, it's quite all right. Uh, <laughs> here at the Smallwood Sessions, we actually pride ourselves on being silly fun with a little bit of heart. Uh, so, what, what, I find ama- what I find amazing is that um, I didn't even know this. <laughs> I met you as the Scarecrow, but I didn't even know that you, until you sent me a photo today, I didn't know that you were the Scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, well, you know... And, uh, I'm, I'm and you bet me, and you probably didn't even know that either. So yeah, <laughs> like exactly. We're, we're each our we're each our identities when we're at that event. I'm I'm take on the author identity, and you take on the scarecrow identity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, as I've said to uh, almost everybody else I talk to um, on the podcast here, it's real difficult for me to walk through that park in that costume <laughs> when uh, when there's a it's a beautiful day and that place is packed. Uh, it's when the the one time of year I really feel like a rock star. Uh, when I put that costume on and go into that park, but, uh, um, I bet, I bet. Um, I, I felt that way when I, when I dressed as Oz Diggs one year, when they had the, uh, when they were trying to beat the, uh, the Guinness record and I had some kids come up and they wanted pictures with me, you know, as, as Oz Diggs. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, that's one of my favorite, my all time favorite things. Uh, I told my favorite story earlier, so I'm not going to tell people again, but, uh, it, it's the kids there, man. The, the, you see 50, 
50 to 100 little tiny Dorothys, and each one's just as adorable as the last one. And uh, you see families, and uh, you see people really enjoying Oz, and really just there's a lot of heart in that festival, and um, there's a lot of heart in Oz. Um, so, Ron, thank you for joining us. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, people love it, I'm sure. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. I hope to see you somewhere down the Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll be together next year. Uh, and we'll all get together and celebrate in a big way next year. So, Well, yep. I, hope you, I hope you have a, a great weekend. And it'll be a sad weekend for us with, with uh, Australavaganza not happening. But we have our memories to rely on. And we, we can always hope for the future, right? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we'll get back to semi-normal sometime <laughs> so, right thank you so much i really appreciate it you're very welcome have a great day you too bye-bye okay, bye-bye it's really cool uh we're i'm i'm blessed here in uh syracuse new york because i'm not doing this professionally but we we are blessed with this uh very big theater community here that is open and accepting and lets people do what they want and uh there's always stuff going on uh you know except when there's not <laughs> <laughs> right but uh, the theater community in this area is, is thriving and it's, it's really cool. Um, That's great. A lot of people coming together for that. So do you, do you have any ideas of, like, is there any mumblings about, um, about your theaters opening up a little bit, you know, uh, trying a socially distant kind of ticket mm -hmm. sales? We were kind of trying to do stuff like that. Um, I'm on the board uh, here in Bal on the Baldensville Theater Guild here, and we postponed everything up through okay. October. And then we're still questioning even coming back then because uh, everything's going to be at half capacity and this and that. Right. We have a theater that seats 150 people, and you split that down to 75 people. Is it worth it to even even try and come back is it gonna, are we going to make the money back and that kind yeah. of thing? and oh it's so uh, unfortunate it, that's the worst part of being on the board of the theater guild is i actually have to think about are we going to have enough money to do this rather than like why can't we just do this it's theater people need it you know but you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta put on that producer hat every once in a while and go uh you know we can't exactly really do this. and is it safe to do it you know that kind of thing and are people going to want to come that's the big question yeah we need to do one of those uh, sort of Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movies and like just put on a show in our backyard. Yeah, exactly. I think and I, I honestly think that's going to start happening. I think people are going to like like Shakespeare in the Park and stuff like that is going to make a huge, huge comeback and outdoor yes. theater, stuff like that, which um, they've been doing even here in Syracuse. They've been doing uh, the Syracuse Shakespeare Festival has been broadcasting Zoom shows, but trying to actually act them. Mm hmm. Um, which is, I don't know, I, I'm, I would love to say, oh, this is great. This could be something we could do. But I watch it and I'm like, ah, oh, it's not just do it as a reading because it's not really working, um, you know, because it's just the, the, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. It'll yeah. never be the same. But, um, you know, we take what we can get at the moment yep. and, exactly. and kind of roll with it. Yeah. And anything, anything we can do is great because, you know, we get us creative people get very, very bored when there's nothing to do. Yes. <laughs> It's true. Well, Allison, uh, thank you so much uh, for this. This was really great. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff I'm working on for actors that are stupid and can be done through Zoom. And it's great. So wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. And hopefully I'll see you next year in Oz. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't know that I'm really the person to talk to about Oz stuff, but... 
um, I don't know that you'll meet anyone who is quite as excited about it as I am. So yeah, that's, great. I guess that's a qualification. Yeah, that'll work. Um, so I'm, uh, talking to a bunch of people who've been involved, uh, with Oz Travaganza and, uh, who have special great memories of Oz. Um, and actually, uh, we've met, uh, before, but both of us were in character. So in costume, have, yes. Yeah, so we haven't actually met. Um, yes. I'm Josh, I'm the scarecrow, uh, every year. <laughs> um, Wonderful. and you are, you cosplay as the Dorothy from, uh, Legends of Oz, Wicked West. Yes. Tom Hutchison. Yes. We, we actually just talked to Tom a little while ago on the podcast. So. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, and that sounds great. I see you guys, as I told him, I see you guys every year and, um, it's a shame I can't stop and talk to you guys. Cause I, I love what you guys are doing. It looks so cool. I haven't actually been able to pick them up yet and look at them. Um, but I actually just ordered some that are coming. Uh, I ordered the first volume. So, Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. They're so good. If you're, um, if you're an Oz fan, I think, I think you're going to love them. Yeah. Um, that's actually how Tom and I met. Um, it was, was at a comic convention mm -hmm. and, uh, I saw his stuff and was obviously super intrigued just because of, of the Oz theme. Um, and I usually, I'm sort of a traditionalist, I have to admit. Um, so when, when I saw it, I was a bit skeptical, but then I, I read through a little bit of it and saw how much he sort of paid attention to the original L. Frank Baum novels mm -hmm. and uh, fell in love with it right away. So um, that's one of the very few things that I have appreciated uh, as far as adaptation go. Yeah, and, I was going to ask um, that question. Uh, I have, I've asked everybody else, what's your favorite? Uh, obviously, it's, it's going to be um, this one, but uh, I, I asked everybody else what their favorite kind of offshoot, kind of avant-garde uh, Oz thing is. Um, and a lot of people have had some interesting things I've never even heard of. Uh, and I was just wondering what your take was on that. And you kind of just answered that question for yourself saying you're- Yeah, so. yeah, I do. I am a traditionalist. So, I mean, obviously, um, but, but even if you're to look at um, the original film, um, that is very different from mm. the books. So yeah. um, I don't know. That might be my my like offshoot thing. Who knows? Right. Um, yeah. But I I think every every little thing has its own special place in my heart. You know, um, Return to Oz, the the '80s film. Oh, love it. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's dark. It, uh, it's basically a, a mixture of like three different books, but, um, but I still love it. I'm yeah. not really sure why it's just <laughs> kind of a, a fun adventure. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a huge fan of, um, of the Gregory Maguire books. Um, I like Wicked, um, the, obviously the music, mm -hmm. the musical is, is a huge, um, like fan favorite of mine mm -hmm. um just because i'm a musical theater person so um i oh, are i you? definitely that's interesting i, 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 I am about so so am i yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's um, exciting I, be I believe you and my wife are friends on facebook she said you guys have been talking oh yes yeah, yes so. that's true <laughs> she's glinda every year too so yes uh, yep which is very fun. So I'm sorry to interrupt i was just excited no 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 that's okay nerd. it's oh i love musical theater nerds <laughs> We have to stick together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, but Wicked, I mean, that turned a whole new generation onto the Oz stories. Um, and the and the books uh, for that are actually really good, too. Uh, I'm not sure how many are in the series. Uh, I actually Three, I believe. It's only three? Okay, there, yeah. so there are only three. All right, yeah, I yeah. read the first two. Uh, and I, I enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, I actually... Uh, I really liked his take on, on stuff with that. So, and I'm, I'm a guy who I like the fan stuff. I like the offshoots and the, the weird stuff. Um, I was just actually talking with um, Ron Baxley, uh, Ron Boxley, who wrote um, a couple of books that are offshoots and he did a, mm -hmm. uh, a, a mashup of Oz and Wonderland. Um, that seemed really cool. And I'm, I'm always interested to see where people take, source material while still being true to it you know it, it, that's right too. Um, yeah and i i think that's the important underlying theme is you know keep sort of um i don't know i think i feel like you want to keep the tone and the message and as long as sort of that is there yeah. then you can go in different directions but i've seen so many that that don't really have that and it goes to a super dark place or something like that and i feel like that's not really at the heart of oz yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of about love and acceptance and, uh, and magic. And, um, you know, that's sort of what I'm always looking for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's got to have the heart of Oz with it. And if it doesn't, you know, why are you doing it? You're just leaving right. at that point. You know, right. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to do it, you got to do it justice. And, um, I asked uh, a lot of the other people I had on, I've had authors, I've had, um, a bunch of people. Uh, thank you, Mark Baum, for getting me all these uh, wonderful guests. Uh, Love I, Mark Baum. Yeah, but I, I keep asking everybody. You know, um, how do you how do you feel about that stuff? And you you've already, as I said, you already answered that. Um, as long as they're true to the heart, that's okay. And that's what a lot of people have been saying. That there's a lot of heart in Oz, and there's a lot of uh, wonderful themes in Oz. And I I feel that you, um, with what you're doing with Tom and every year, I feel you guys are really embodying the, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, the girl power, because you are a badass Dorothy, who has, <laughs> Thank uh, you. you know, a gunslinging badass Dorothy. And I think that's just so cool. And I mean, the original books had that, that female empowerment. It was a girl on her own. There's no prince coming to save her. She's saving herself, you know, and, um, Back exactly. In the time, back in the time when exactly. that was written. And, and not only that, she was a, she was a young girl. Mm -hmm. um, and, and she, she wasn't, I don't, I don't know if it was, if it's something that we kind of, uh, I don't know, were taught after that. But the fact is that, you know, she was a young girl and she wasn't afraid to just be herself. She wasn't afraid to love on people. She wasn't afraid to stand up for herself mm -hmm. um, or other people, regardless of who they were, you know, even if she had, obviously she had just met these people and she was able to um, sort of risk her life for, for people that, um, that she didn't know, but she still cared about. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that those are all really important themes that, you know, we, we yep. have to love on people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And especially nowadays, I mean, you know, the way, the way the world's going right now, it's very important to remember. Right. Those things. right. Well, I, I kind of have been thinking that that's, that's also something, um, you know, that like wicked really touched on, mm -hmm. um, and, and it kind of addresses <laughs> current political climate about, yeah. um, you know, silencing people's voices and things like that. Um, so while that was not my favorite book, um, it's so relevant and mm. um and it it does still have a lot of a lot of the same messages that um that the original books did yeah yeah and and that's the important thing to be getting across is the heart and and the love uh people have for oz so i will ask you now wh whom is your favorite oz character if you had to choose one 
aside from Dorothy or, or does well, she I mean, count? It, it um, can be Dorothy. I mean, that, that seems a little easy. Do but, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. She's <laughs> definitely my favorite. Um, I, I grew up with the story. Um, I kind of have been obsessed with it my entire life. It's, it's actually the reason that I started acting. Um, I was 12 years old and saw an audition for Wizard of Oz and immediately just said, you know, I have no idea what this, what this means, what I have to do, but I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't get to play the role of Dorothy until I was 22, I think. Oh, wow. um, and then played the role three times. Um, and it's just... I don't know. She's been such a huge part of my life mm -hmm. that um, I don't know that I could say that there's any other character that um, that I identify with more or that I care about more. Mm -hmm. But I will say that if I were to choose someone else, Scarecrow is definitely, oh. he's my second. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. You know, she she misses him most of all. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. She just kind of single they, him out at the end. They have a special friendship. Yeah. Um, on, a, on a kind of personal note, you have a, a little Toto doggo at home. How's he doing? I do. I do. Um, he's doing all right. He's, he's actually been sick lately, but, um, but I think we're doing better. And um, he, he also loves all things Oz. Uh, shout out to the museum, <laughs> but, but definitely, you know, he's been, um, he's been with me the past few years that I've gone to the festival mm -hmm. and, enjoys it so much. Um, Chittenango has a, a special place in our hearts. And, um, and so it's been so much fun for him to go with me to the festivals and just see all the people and, you know, everybody loves him. I think Tom, Tom Hutchison and I kind of joke about in the parade on the float or on the, on the car, he's definitely the, the popular one. So um, <laughs> they come to see the dog and not necessarily us, but yeah, he likes, he likes the festival out there in Chittenango. Um, we've been to the one in Aurora, Ohio a few times and, um, and he's, he's definitely a, a fan of, of all of the Oz love. Now you're not local. You're uh, you travel to come out here, right? Uh, yeah, I'm actually. Um, I'm from about an hour uh, east of Cleveland. Oh, okay. So, so uh, yeah, it takes me um, about eight hours to get out to to Chittenango. Yeah, that sounds about right. I actually uh, last summer I was doing a lot of work out in Cleveland. I spent a lot of time out there. So. Oh, uh, excellent. Yeah, so it's about seven seven hour car ride for me. So yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um, I, I'm gonna get down to the big question. What is your favorite? Oz memory. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily from Oz Travaganza. It can just be an Oz moment and the floor is yours. That is a hard question. And honestly, I've been thinking about it um, mm -hmm. since we talked initially. <laughs> and I don't know that I can pin anything down. Um, I think that probably my, my two biggest memories um, I don't, I don't know that I would say that the first time playing Dorothy was my favorite necessarily, but it is definitely my most memorable. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I was over the moon to finally be playing my dream role. Mm -hmm. um, I had, you know, worked my entire life for it. And, uh, and I'm doing the show with this top notch cast. I mean, the casting was on point everything just seemed so perfect. And then 
about a week before the show opened, uh, I started having some weird uh, chest pains and things like that. Um, it turns out I had a spontaneous lung collapse. Oh my God. And I was in the hospital the week before we opened um, and had to have a couple of emergency surgeries and then did the entire run of the show with a chest tube. Oh my um, Wow. Bravo. Because <laughs> nobody was keeping me off of that stage. There was, yeah. there was no way. So, um, I think that was <laughs> that had to that had to be the most memorable Oz moment. Yeah. Um, oh. And then, like, I just uh, unhooked myself here. Um, my second biggest memory, I think, is probably that first year at Chittenango. Um, mm. It was surreal to say the least. Um, and it was just, it was so special. The amount of love that was there, it was so magical. Um, all the people that I got to meet, uh, uh, you know, being able to walk down the real yellow brick road, um, everything was just so incredibly special. And, um, and that is a year that I will never ever be able to forget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that Ostravaganza holds a big, special place in a lot of people's hearts and a lot of people are going to be missing that this year. Um, but everybody, yes. if you want, uh, remember go to allthingsoz.org and you can donate a couple bucks. It's really simple. You go and you, you click on the link and you can donate a couple bucks, tell your friends to donate a couple bucks and then a couple bucks plus a couple bucks plus a couple bucks equals a lot of bucks and we can help them out. Yes. Really. Donate now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely do that. So, uh, there's that plug. Allison, do you have anything you got going on? I know we are in times when nothing's really going on, but uh, if you want to plug anything you got going on, you know, it's, it's pretty slow right now. You know, we can't, we can't be doing any theater or anything. Um, I have a couple of things that were in the works that we had to put off. So, um, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit slow right now, but, um, who knows, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we'll get back up and running and, um, and we'll be able to get back out to Chittenango mm. as soon as possible. And, uh, yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's all I've got at the moment. All right, that's fine uh, with us because uh, there's there's <laughs> nothing going on. You know, there's really not much to do, especially if, for someone that does what you do. You know, um, it's tough. Uh, well, I think that about wraps up the podcast of Oz. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I want to thank all our guests today. I want to thank Ron Baxley Jr. I want to thank Allison. I want to thank Tom. I want to thank Jane. I want to thank Ronnie. I want to thank Mark Baum. I want to thank Ruby Rakos. Thank you so much for coming out. Again, thank you, Mark Baum, for hooking me up with all these people. I hope you guys enjoyed the interviews I did. I hope uh, you learned something. I hope you had a couple laughs. For all of us uh, from Ostravaganza here, we miss you guys this year. Uh, we miss being down there. We miss seeing all your smiling faces in Chittenango. We hope that Oz is still in your heart. We hope you don't forget. Remember, you guys can go to allthingsoz.org. There you can donate. You can become a member. You can help out Oz. 75% of the income for the All Things Oz Museum comes from the Ostravaganza event and bus tours both of which will not be happening this year, unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
So you can go there and you can donate. You can help those guys out. And as soon as that museum's open, go check it out. They got some really cool stuff there. Um, I wish you guys could have seen what Mark was showing me. Uh, I guess he didn't realize it was an audio podcast, but he showed me some really cool stuff. I'll try and put some pictures up online uh, for you guys on our website, which is smallwoodsessions.com. You guys can go there, smallwoodsessions.com. I actually put a donate button right there uh, for all things Oz. You can go there, click that link. It'll take you right to their website, and you can donate, or you can become a member, or you can do whatever you can to help those guys out. So here at the Smallwood Sessions, we are dedicated to bringing you stupid fun with a little bit of heart. So we hope we brought you some stupid fun. We hope we brought you a little bit of heart. Uh, We are also dedicated to bringing you quality quarantainment during this whole quarantizzle. So, I hope you guys join us next week uh, for Jurassic Podcast. That's right, we're going to start talking about one of my favorite movies, uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, We're also going to be having some real fun uh, with our friends here. Uh, Hopefully, my co-host Dave will be back. He was not here this week. He was busy new boot goofing. So, hopefully, uh, we'll have him back here next week with us. Um, And from all of us here at the Smallwood Sessions and from everyone in Oz, thank you. Thank you. Keep chasing rainbows. Follow that yellow brick road. There's no place like home. We can't wait to see you next year. Thanks. From the Smallwood Sessions, this is Josh Taylor. Smallwoodsessions.com. Swood Sessions on Twitter. Swood Sessions on Instagram. Smallwood Sessions on Facebook. SJTaylor580 and Gmail. Those are all the ways you can get a hold of me if you guys got ideas or you want to come be on the podcast and you want to talk to me. We look forward to seeing you next week, and we hope you had a wonderful time in Oz. Thank you so much to our friends from the All Things Oz Museum and all of our special guests today. We really, really appreciate it. From the Smallwood Sessions, I'm Josh Taylor saying, have a great day, guys.